On today's show, we are getting to know Jeb. But first, a word from today's sponsors. Andre Psyche is the freelance creator extraordinaire, someone who makes music, poetry, art, clothing, and lives to make others feel good. Search him up on any social media. It's Andre Psyche. That's P-S-Y-C-H-E. The next time you are looking to add some creative stimulation to your social media circle. Patreon.com helps creators like me earn a monthly income that will be put towards podcast expenses. Support the Getting to Know You Pod's creative endeavors through Patreon for as little as $2 a month. There are all sorts of costs that I had no fucking idea about associated with posting podcasts, not to mention the need for equipment and production. So dear listeners, if you've enjoyed getting to know any of our guests or just want to help keep the pod going, go to our Patreon. The links in the description and your support of the Getting to Know You pod is very much appreciated. Two bucks too much? Here are three free ways to help. Get your thumbs ready. One, push the subscribe button on whatever app you're listening to the Getting to Know You pod on. Did that? Thank you. Two, friend and follow the Getting to Know You pod on your social media like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Go ahead, open those apps, click away if you haven't already. Thanks again. Three, go to Apple, write a review. The internet tells me this might be the most important and impactful. So thank you. Your support, dear listener, whether it's with your thumbs through our Patreon or ideally both, is greatly appreciated. And now, getting to know you. Hello. Getting to know you. Getting to know all about you. I'm going to do a terrific show today. Getting to know. Getting to hope you like me Because I'm good enough Getting to know you Putting it my way But nicely I'm smart enough You are precisely And doggone it My cup of tea And I feel like Jeb is either going to convert me or turn me off from eating meat for the rest of my life. So thank you, Jeb, for coming on and uh, letting people get to know you, man. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, glad to be here. Yeah, man, I, um, I've been speaking to people. Uh, I don't know. It seems like you get in these weird ebb and flows with your life where like conversations tend to focus on something. And I've had about a week and a half about like really centered on nutrition. And I've had some people on about like giving up sugar and I've had um, keto guys on and um, you, I guess, is like just straight meat kind of a thing. So I guess before I just let my mind wander, do you mind telling me and telling people who are listening just a little bit about your Instagram and kind of what you're about? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, Your past week seems like my past uh, five years or so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. How much of a uh, background do you want or... Yeah, to start from what you think your origin is. I am curious, like, how you got there, man. How are you in the woods eating raw meat, yeah, bare feet with um, your shirt off and a dog, like, <laughs> from school um, lunches? <laughs> so, I guess my, like, I'm working on a post for Instagram about uh, my health uh, 
health journey, but in high school, I um, got a sports injury, bone bruise to my hip. And then shortly after that, a few months after that, uh, my knee, and I was limping and really was kind of out of the game because of that. Um, and then yeah, my knee started hurting and thought that was related because it seemed related. It was the same leg and I'd been limping and it just seemed somehow related. And um, maybe it was, but uh, 10 years went by kind of with just thinking that was a sports injury. And during that time, I mean, I dropped out of high school and uh, like sort of gravitated away from my like jock friends to my stoner friends and was in like constant pain. My left knee, my other knee started hurting. My other hip started hurting. Um, uh, yeah, I limped everywhere. I went, couldn't run for like 10 years. Couldn't, uh, couldn't do lots of things. Um, like a lot missed out on lots of like formative experiences. Did like a little bit of traveling during that time, but mostly I was, stoned on the couch, uh, depressed and in pain. And, um, so then, yeah, after about, took almost 10 years, uh, before I got finally diagnosed, uh, with ankylosing spondylitis, which is, um, autoimmune arthritis, uh, and got on a, um, NSAID for that, uh, prescription NSAID, meloxicam which uh, helped so much. The first time I took it, it uh, I just stood up without pain for the first time in many years. Or it wasn't totally pain-free, but I just stood up. You know, It was taking me like a minute to stand up out of a chair. So I stood straight up out of a chair and feeling a little bit of pain. I was like, wow, that's, that's awesome. And then after being on that for, I don't know, a year and a half or so, I could actually run again. And it was interesting because I was raised with no really Western medicine, very little Western medicine. We never had like Advil or Tylenol in the house. Uh, I went to an acupuncturist instead of a family doctor. Um, <laughs> could have had something to do with not getting diagnosed earlier. Um, and so then I was on that meloxicam, which was kind of gave me superpowers as far as just killing all inflammation in the body. I could like work. I do manual labor type jobs. Um, so I could like just really throw myself into work and not feel sore the next day is pretty interesting, but I didn't want to be on it the rest of my life. And it didn't, even though it killed the inflammation, it didn't take care of all the stuff going on with the arthritis. So I didn't want to be on that forever. So after being on that for not quite 10 years, less than 10 years, another second, 10 years, um, I, uh, <laughs> I did. I was going to get off of it with uh, diet and lifestyle. And the first book that I saw related to that, that somebody gave me was called The No Starch Diet for Ankylosing Spondylitis. And at the time, I was still like smoking weed and um, just was like, oh, there's no way I could like, that's ridiculous. Who could eat a no starch diet? That's like, that's no grains. That's no bananas. That's, that's ridiculous. So I just sort of took the book and put it on the shelf. And a few years went by and I started thinking more about it and uh, so yeah, finally a handful of years ago, I decided to get serious about it and went keto because no starch and keto just go hand in hand. Um, got real excited about keto for a while. Um, but the kind of keto I was doing didn't seem to work for me. And I was still having like nuts and I would like gorge on those. 
And it was around that time I broke up with all my old friends, decided like that was just, you know, the old, old bad habits and the just negativity and all that sort of got to move on from all that. So did that and um, let's see, after, after the keto experiment was, I found um, Paul Saladino Carnivore MD and I really liked his take on everything. Just he's real hardcore about diet. He doesn't cheat. And, and at the time he was strict carnivore. So I did three months of strict carnivore and I was doing it his style, which comes with cooked meat, lots of ribeye. It was expensive because I was eating so much ribeye. And that was really the first time I was really buying. Like I did that some during keto, but keto, you're not supposed to have too much meat, gluconeogenesis and all that. So um uh yeah so i was buying finally started buying all this meat at the meat counter making friends with the meat counter guys and <laughs> cooking steak and eating paul saladino um on instagram he's carnivore md 2.0 because they killed his first account after the rona came out um oh, shit. yeah he said some things that i guess went over the line about freedom or something i don't know but uh <laughs> Um, so yeah, I was eating all this meat and that was fine, but I, I was also doing tons and tons of, um, raw suet and raw liver, raw suet or suet is the uh, kidney fat of the cow. It's a really hard fat as prized by the native Americans. Um, they would make pemmican out of it and they just eat it too, but pemmican is like this awesome survival food. Um, And it's possible I was having too much suet or too much liver, and that caused inflammation anyway. After I was only going to do a month of the carnivore diet, of the strict carnivore diet, but I did three months, and or I did two two months, three weeks, and I was just like, I can't do it anymore. My inflammation's coming back, so I had to go back on meloxicam for a while. Um, But that was a real eye opener for me because I wasn't smoking weed during that, you know, I was like actually finally off weed, which is pretty hard for me to quit. For me, it's definitely pretty addictive. Um, and it was the first time when I really like, I, okay. So I used to, when I smoked weed, I used to eat myself to sleep every night with uh, like after dinner with like two pints of Ben and Jerry's and or Haagen-Dazs or whatever, and like a bag of chips or something. Yeah, so yeah, that, that all add up quick. <laughs> yeah, and I just got the genetics to where I actually didn't look a lot different. I didn't look like ripped because, you know, maybe I'd do a few push-ups occasionally, but I wasn't really working out regularly, even though I had the manual labor job. Um, so I, I definitely, although I had other jobs sometimes too, I've done all sorts of things, but. Uh, I just have genetics to where I don't put on any fat. So during all those years when I was sitting around smoking weed, eating junk food, even though I was, yeah, I was, I was raised on like good organic food, but during that, that period, like mostly junk type food and uh, never really gained any weight. So that's just my genetics. But hmm. it, I feel like when I overeat calories or just bad food in general, junk food, it, instead of storing it as fat, it causes inflammation in my body. It can go anywhere. 
Um, it can like, that's part of ankylosing spondylitis. It can go the lower back and the knees are the two main trigger points, but like it, there's a, the, it can be any connective tissue. So I'll feel it in my chest. Um, not usually like hands. Well, sometimes it would be in the hand. Yeah. Literally it could be any connective tissue. Um, yeah, when I would do that thing where I'd eat too much junk food at night, I remember sometimes I'd wake up and my hands in the morning would be, would be stiff. Um, so it's just the arthritis is lack of flexibility or explosiveness. Can you describe uh, it? it? It was, so it's tenderness to the touch, pain when moving, mm. and incredible stiffness. And over time, if left untreated, it can cause like, I don't know, calcification, I guess, um, it's the way to describe it. Um, and the spine can like fuse. Yeah. The spine can fuse. And I'm pretty sure I'm a little fused already. Like my back isn't super mobile. Uh, I do do mobility exercises, um, to try to keep it from getting any worse. Cause it's, it's not too bad really. Um, but whenever I have a flare up, it, gets worse definitely how common is this because you're talking um, about high school like that seems real young you don't like so I don't, yeah that's the thing autoimmune diseases are just you know totally skyrocketing in in uh popularity <laughs> um <laughs> as, as you know as with all the other modern lifestyle diseases like diabetes and all that it's not as it's not as common as mm. diabetes of course but it's you know, in the similar family of autoimmune stuff like MS or like people call AS, ankylosing spondylitis AS, the hashtag is like, um, kick AS, kick ass. <laughs> um, Clever. Uh, yeah. So I've met a few other people on Instagram that, that talk about it. Um, yeah, I've never heard of it though. I'm not dealing with anything like it. So I don't know if it would be within my circle, even my circle of interest. Like I would just come across it. Um, I feel like I've know a lot of sedentary people though. <laughs> I work in schools and such. So I, you hear about different things that kids deal with, but I'm in middle school. So maybe it's, uh, gotta be a little older for it. Yeah. It normally doesn't start before high school. Okay. Um, High school at the earliest, but it's high school and early twenties is when it normally starts. It's kind of an early onset arthritis. Gotcha. Um, but I mean, that's when a lot of like MS type things will start too. Um, like my, yeah, it's like uh, psoriatic arthritis. Um, that's another one. Like it affects the skin a little bit more, but it can also do the spine fusing thing. Um, I've met, yeah, I've met, uh, three other dudes on Instagram who are like handling it well. Like sometimes I look through the hashtags and most of the people are just like, you know, obese, like in a walker or a, like a hospital bed, Jesus. just trying to stay positive And, you know, in that depressed state still that I was in for a long time. Um, but these three guys, you know, I think, only one of them is not on meds like me. The other two are on meds, but they're also doing all the right stuff, like eating good and exercising a lot. 
and not looking like they have arthritis. Um, uh, so let's see, where was they at in the story? Yeah, right. I'm sorry um, to, and I just wanted to interject about it. I hadn't heard, but basically you were like on that three months or almost three months of that carnivore diet with a bunch of ribeye and yeah. you started feeling some yeah. more inflammation. Yeah. So I had to, I had to go off of that because I stuck to the diet real good. But the inflammation came back. So other things can, can trigger out, you know, um, flare ups like stress or I don't know what it was, but, um, during that time, carnivore MD, Paul Saladino wrote a book, the carnivore, uh, carnivore code. And, uh, by the time I got back around to getting serious about diet again, a few months or I don't know, six months later, um, <laughs> he was eating fruit and stuff. So now that's his diet. Uh, it's like meat and fruit and, um, raw liver cooked meat, fruit. Um, and I was never on, uh, I was never on Instagram. I like thought Facebook was dumb and never was on like, you know, never got on my Facebook very often, literally never had an Instagram account up until, I don't know, a little over a year and a half ago now, finally decided to get on there. And, um, I had found like the raw meat eating crowd before that, uh, on like YouTube, but thought it was novelty. I was like, look at these wacky dudes. What are, they, what's, what are these dudes doing? Uh, just eating raw meat. That's kind of neat, but I don't know. Um, but then I just really found the community. I started like doing, you know, the, the carnivore community on there. And I was just drawn more towards these, uh, the raw meat guy, the primal, the primal crowd, the primal diet crowd. Uh, and do you remember why, why I was drawn to it? Um, well, they made some good arguments. Um, I had, I had seen these arguments before on Facebook or on YouTube when I was, uh, in, you know, over the couple of years before that, just messing around on YouTube. Um, so I'd seen some of these arguments about how raw meat is healthy. And I'd seen some of the stuff about the Jonas Vonderplanets and his raw primal diet, which I still don't know what to think exactly about that guy, but he seems pretty right about a lot of stuff. Um, and just how cooked. So I, I don't think that cooked meat, or I don't think that raw meat is necessary for people to heal from whatever diseases they're trying to recover from, like diabetes or autoimmune, whatever, any autoimmune issue or diabetes or stuff like that, um, obesity. I don't think that you need to <laughs> eat raw meat to make your symptoms go away. I think you can eat cooked meat and uh, whatever else, you know, I like the main thing I recommend to people is just do not eat any seed oils because if you're strict about that, you won't eat any kind of junk food because it's in pretty much, I mean, you could probably find a junk food that doesn't have a seed oil in it, but it's kind of hard. Um, and then if you also don't eat grains and seed oils, you're, you're there. And of course, a lot of the crowds, a couple of different crowds intersect that I follow that are also anti-vegetable. And I haven't really been eating any vegetables for, I've been uh, 
pretty strict about it for the past year and before that like it's just been getting less and less and less as time has gone by with the vegetables uh, like when i was keto i was eating mostly vegetables i'd eat like a head of cauliflower a day all sorts of whatnot but um asparagus cauliflower kale uh and i've just heard so many good arguments for <laughs> why we don't need uh vegetables and why they could actually be hurting us. Um, Carnivore MD makes the best, most science-backed arguments for that. Um, everybody else sort of does the more meme-type approach or whatever, but he's really, uh, you know, very science-based. Very science -based. Um, so for you, though, it's an inflammation thing? Like you, you just feel that eating this raw meat D D and flat. How do you even say like so uninflammatory? I'm not, I'm not um, strict. I don't. I don't want to uh, give the impression that I'm strict on raw meat. Uh, I have not posted about eating cooked meat on my Instagram for quite a while. Some of my early posts I posted about uh, cooked meat, but um, that's just boring. Like, so I followed. I got on Instagram and I followed all these accounts, um, like carnivore type accounts and meat. I guess they call animal based diet accounts. You know, where they eat fruit and meat, raw dairy. And um, all these people are just posting their just like eggs and meat and it's just on the table. It's like this above shot of this plate with like some cooked meat on it or some eggs or something. And it's fucking boring. It's like, but then you see somebody eating some raw meat. Oh, that's interesting, you know? <laughs> um, so that's part of it. It's just the novelty of but, but then that's it's sort of like sort of like you draw them in with the novelty and then you stay because it's a fucking head trip it's uh it's like oh you don't get sick from eating raw meat i have to kind of put myself back in the headspace of where i was when i first got into this law it's like oh well aren't you going to get sick if you eat raw meat and now i'm to the point where i'm eating high meat which is um you can, it's high, high, I started with high liver because that's much less, uh, weird, but, uh, which doesn't seem that way. I mean, you wouldn't think that, but if liver that you cut up into little chunks and put in a jar and leave in your fridge for a few months, doesn't get that disgusting rotten meat smell to it at all. It smells like, a wine or a cheese or something like a cheesy wine type flavor and it is a strong flavor sort of like that and like electric-y but there's nothing about it that makes me want to gag and throw up it's i was blown away the first time the first time i heard about it i was like oh well that is retarded who would ever do that that's i don't understand is it that sealed or open so you sorry the liver. So if you cut up the liver and you put it in your fridge for a couple weeks, do months. You, I'm sorry, months. Do you seal it or is it just in Yeah, so it's in a jar with a lid on it and um, the instructions are to take it out every three days and air it out for like a minute. Um, huh. But um, you can, you don't have to do that. Um, yeah, as long as it's probably not in like i wouldn't i don't know if i'd want to mess with it if it's like for you know six months without being opened or something that might get a little questionable i don't know i've heard 
things, but I've never heard of anybody getting sick from this. And I've talked a lot of people that I follow are doing this. Um, What's the point of the, the duration? What does the duration do to the liver? Just really adds in the good, the good bacteria, God. you know, the longer it's in there, the more bacteria is in there. Um, and it's just like the best, uh, probiotics type of thing, really. Uh, I just eat a very small amount when I have it. Uh, just a little, little bite a day is fine. Or, you know, every few days is fine. Um, and I don't know if I, you know, have any like obvious health benefits from that. The interesting part is that it hasn't hurt me. And right after I eat it, I do get a buzz. It's uh, that's why they call it high meat hmm. supposed to make you high. And I get like a little buzz. It's similar to the oyster buzz. Like up until very recently, I'd never had oysters. I used to kind of think I was allergic to shellfish as a kid. And I would just, I didn't like the smell. I just was like, no, I don't need to eat fish or, or shellfish. I would only eat like tuna um, as far as fish goes. And uh, just part of this whole world is that oysters are prized. You know, everyone's just really talking up oysters. So I better do it. So I, uh, the first time I had oysters, there's a similar buzz to the high meat buzz is, um, and every time I have oysters now, if I just slunk five oysters, I have a, like a palpable buzz going on in my body. Like an energy buzz or like a dopey yeah. high laugh at comedy not, buzz? Not dopey, just like an energy buzz. that kind of makes me want to just go take a walk and like, huh. well, go walk the dog. <laughs> I, I, I'm not in the world, but the liver thing is interesting. So is that how you get your stomach acclimated to then consume just raw meat? No, no. Normally the raw meat eating comes before the high liver for sure. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Yeah, people definitely would start eating just, you know, raw hamburger before they would have high liver. That's more advanced for sure. I mean... It might be helpful to do it the other way, but that's just not how people are. They're not going to go straight from eating a standard American diet to, to high liver. You're going to go to non-fermented meat first. Um, so then the, that, that's the that's the high liver. The high meat is where you take muscle meat and do the same thing, leave it in the jar. And that does kind of get that strong, make you want to gag flavor to it but it doesn't make me sick. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, bacteria is an interesting thing and there's something going on with it that is not how it's been described to us. Um, the eggs that the people recommend on this diet, you know, they're unwashed eggs straight out the chicken's butt, as they say. <laughs> and the way to eat them I mean, you can eat them however you want, but, you know, the proper way to eat them is to just tap them on your tooth on one end, tap them on your tooth on the other end. So there's some holes on each end and then just, you know, put your mouth on the shell and suck it through and you're putting your mouth. That's where the that's where the salmonella is supposed to live the strongest on the shell, you know. Yeah, I mean, maybe somebody gotten sick from it and not gone on Instagram and be like, hey, guys, it has got salmonella, but. I've never heard of that. You know what I mean? These people, they seem all about it. And it's like, 
Uh, I mean, I'm not super sciencey guy or anything, so I, I can't tell you why that, like, why salmonella doesn't work the way we've been told that it works, but it doesn't seem to. Like, we all naturally have salmonella in us, from what I've been told, um, really low levels of it. Like, we have low levels of a lot of these things, and the problem is when they get out of hand, our immune system not being able to handle them. So it's not necessarily being exposed to more that makes you sick. It's when you're not healthy enough to keep things in a symbiotic relationship. It's the same. That's the only explanation I have when people ask about parasites too, because um, that's one of the harder questions for me. It's like, so like one of, I've got a few roommates and uh, one of them, is like plant-based kind of and is pretty just grossed out by everything I do. And he's always like, oh, man, you're going to get parasites. And I'm like, everything I've seen as far as like I look at some of these um, pages of uh, it's normally women sort of health coach ladies on Instagram and they'll have in their stories, there's a couple different ones in their stories who have story highlights of pictures of parasites that people have sent into them um, after they've done parasite cleanses and then coffee enemas and then they strain that out and they get these parasites and they take the pictures of the parasites and they're these long stringy things maybe six inches long sometimes and those people I just get the impression they're plant-based like this doesn't seem to be a concern in the primal meat eating crowd. Not to say I'm sure there have been people who eat a bunch of meat and have had parasites, but it seems to be that if you're not healthy, that's when the parasites get out of hand. Um, and that's the best step. Healthy, not exercise, but healthy diet. Or do you think exercise yeah. affects parasites? Oh, I definitely think exercise good to be healthy but a lot of these primal people i follow don't seem like they exercise much at all uh, yeah i was just thinking of the parasite so let let me stay on the parasite thing because that's something where my skin immediately crawls but i don't know if i understand it so when i think of a parasite i've ingested or something has gotten into me that is now living off of me like a tapeworm is a parasite right yeah and so then the fear, so th this is what I'm thinking, right? The fear is if I ingest, if I ingest uncooked meat, there's some sort of parasite in that uncooked meat that now will attach to me somehow and live off of me. Well, yeah. And again, I'm not like super well-versed on exactly how all this works, but <laughs> it's always good to speculate though. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I just wonder when you eat, if there's a parasite in your food, does it always live in your, or like sometimes it's going to get digested. I just, I don't know how that works. Um, yeah. Cause if it gets in your gut, that's always been the weird thing for me. Like if it gets in your gut, the acid can't kill a parasite. Yeah. Um, but then if but it's I, a parasite, how does plant-based stay with well, it? You know, and I'm just thinking out loud here. I'm not trying to like call 
bunk or bullshit or anything like that. I'm just, I've never really thought that out, that different diets would be better or worse if you happen to get a parasite. I always just thought it was like the lotto. Like maybe it's your time to win. Maybe it's your time to get a parasite kind of a thing. So from what I've heard, like 65 or 70% of people have parasites. And like, I, I wonder if it's not actually higher than that and they just didn't find them or whatever. Um, and 65 to 70% of people are not eating raw meat. You know what I mean? Hmm. Um, like they're not just coming from raw meat. They're like, it's, it's like, it's like, we're not really us. We're a collection of things. Like we are, there's that sci-fi book, like we are multitudes or something like that. It's like, we are made up of all these different bacteria and whatever, all these different organisms in us and parasites are one of them. And so the, the, the primal diet argument for the raw primal diet argument for parasites is that they're beneficial and they clean up the dead cells. And when everything's in proper symbiosis, they're not causing problems. They're not attacking the healthy cells. They're actually preventing cancer, supposedly eating the cancerous cells. Um, Dude, that almost sounds like back in the day when they would um, put leeches on you when you were sick. Yeah, yeah, you got too much blood. Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> like it's it sounds so kooky, but then at the same time, it also sounds like it could be. It really does. And the leeches thing, too, I think there's something to that because um, I keep procrastinating about it. Um, but I decided I need to start giving blood because just uh not according to the the primal bat guys but just other more mainstream uh health coach people i listen to um i'm always listening to podcasts that's how i get like the majority of my information is from podcasts um that we're all iron overloaded and it's not showing up on tests because it's being stored in our bones and like brain and fat and stuff. Uh, um, so it's not coming out in our blood when they, they test the blood for iron or however else they test for iron. I think it's blood. Um, and so donating blood like quarterly is like highly recommended. And some people do it. And the first time after doing it, they just feel fantastic for hmm. a few days. Um, they feel like better than they have in a long time. Um, because all that, all those grains, all those cereals that we all grew up eating are all fortified with iron. And that's like just iron shavings. Like that's not, that's not really food. It doesn't get processed like food. Dude, that's interesting. Because I've, now that you say that, I'm like, oh, I do. Like I always thought of iron, if you look at the nutrition label, as something you'd want, but I have no idea why I want it. Like, it's kind of interesting, man. I look at nutrition labels, and I'm like, okay, I want like low sugar. Okay, I want high protein. Okay, I want to see vitamins and like whatever percent is there. Then you see iron, and it's like, yeah, there's iron in there. It must be good for me, but why do I need iron? I, yeah, I don't we want to get our answer. iron from meat. I mean, that's, that's the place to get iron. Um, there's plenty in red meat. 
don't need to be adding it to grains. That's like highly suspicious. I'm to the point where I've stopped even using cast iron. Um, I've heard the argument like well-sealed or well-seasoned cast iron isn't going to be um, like leaching iron into your food, but I'm always like messing up my cast iron pans anywhere. I was always messing up my cast iron pans and having to re-season them. So now I just have a nice uh, stainless pan. You get that sucker hot enough and it is nonstick. If I, I'll still occasionally cook eggs. It's pretty rare. Um, I'll cook the, the whites. Um, and just get, get that pan hot to where if you flick water in it, it doesn't steam off, but it rolls around like mercury. This is just a good cooking tip that blows people away. I mean, I was blown away when I found this out. If you, it was the pan first starts to get hot, you flick water in it, it'll evaporate off like water, like, like mist steam, steam, uh, once it gets a little hotter, you flick the water in, it rolls around like mercury. Then it's good enough. You put your, I use tallow to cook with because, um, just really good to cook with, uh, whatever butter or whatever you put that in there and then the eggs just do not stick. You can flip them. They don't, it's amazing. (laughs) Just in a regular stainless steel pan. Just a stainless steel pan. Dude, I was, can I go back to the, and you didn't get one, but the coffee enema thing and the parasite, just because my mind. I'm going to do it at some point just to, I mean, I have no reason to think I have parasites. I don't have any like, like of the, the symptoms when you look at like the parasite symptoms, but uh, I'll do one at some point just to see I'll do, I'll do the cleanse. I'll do, you take some herbs and then, uh, I mean, this would like any primal diet people like hearing this big, no, don't do it. You, you want, you don't want to hurt all that stuff. You got a good ecosystem going on, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, but I'll do it and just see, see if anything interesting comes out. Um, Why are coffee yeah, co- enemas a thing? Coffee enemas are definitely a thing in the, the biohacker world. That's not at all in the, the, the raw primal world, but in the, the biohacker world. Yeah, I'm definitely in a few different spheres on um, of my interests and on Instagram and everything, a few different worlds. And the biohackers, biohacker tribe, that's a, that's a big one. Um, uh, Do you know why, though? In, like, coffee enemas? Yeah. Why do I have to... And maybe I'm wrong because I'm picturing basically you're fleshing out your like intestine, you're shooting coffee up your ass and then it yeah. grabs whatever's in your intestinal tract and it comes back out, right? Yeah, you you, uh, you lay on your uh, left side and like leave it in there for like 10 or 15 minutes, I think. I'd have to look at the directions again. Um, <laughs> but it, it, it oh, what is it? It goes up and it's supposed to... Is it the coal? It's well, it's obviously the coal. Uh, the the liver. I, th- I think it even liver, kidney. I think it's the liver that it even tries to get up to and sort of flush out a little bit. Um, and then something about the coffee stimulates the whole process real good. And um, coffee enemas are are where it's at. <laughs> coffee enemas are where it's at. Uh- just for my visual, when you like you're getting a coffee, how do, how's the is there a pump somewhere that's pushing this through? Do you need a battery? There's a suspended. You can hang out. So you're like you're in your bathtub on your on your left side, and there's a bucket um, with a or a bag or a bucket uh, 
you know, with a tube going into it and a valve and everything. So it's just gravity fed. Just gravity. And that is the gravity gives enough pressure to get to swim upstream. I guess so. I mean, I've never tried it, but that's that's the directions. Yeah, that's crazy to me, man. Like the parasite is more logical, like leaching blood and getting leeches to like or a parasite to cure cancer is more logical than just gravity forcing coffee up into my body when all I know is like shitting just makes things go out like my whole digestive system. I always just think of as one way, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, yeah, it's, I've just been hearing about enemas for so long now. Like, honestly, I'm pretty disappointed in myself for not having done one yet. Um, because <laughs> I do all these other biohacker things. Um, you know, I got the red light glasses on, which have been actually huge for me. Um, I do the, I have a little portable sauna, the kind where you like your head sticks out the top, but super great. And I like having my head not get so hot because the rest of my body is just sweating bullets in there. Hmm. The little zip up portable saunas, like anybody wants in a, you know, well, they're still over a thousand bucks, but if you want like an affordable sauna that doesn't take up a lot of room in your house, um, they're pretty great. Um, you know, the cold exposure in the winter, go outside, like my boxers and run around the cold shower. I mean, this time of year, cold showers are just, they feel good, but in the winter do cold showers. Yeah, all the classic biohacker things. Okay, so part of my uh, ankylosing spondylitis, what first got me diagnosed when I still sort of thought it was a weird sports injury or didn't really know what it was, um, what forced me to go to a doctor who, you know, a real doctor, I guess. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I, and I've been to like chiropractors and acupuncturists and sports rehab, just all sorts of different doctors. And they would all just poke and prod at me and have no idea what was up. But my eye went out. It got all red and blurry and painful and um, didn't go away. Just kept getting worse for like a week. It was really bad. It hurt really bad. And so I went to the eye doctor, this old guy, and he looked at it for um, a couple minutes and looked at me and said, have you ever had any knee or back pain? And I'm like, yeah. It's like, oh, you have you have autoimmune arthritis, you need to go, you need to go see the rheumatologist. So I said, okay. And um, went to see the rheumatologist. And the first drug he put me on was not meloxicam. It was, uh, of course, I'm going to forget now. Uh, metho, it was methotrexate, which I had just at the time uh, watched an episode of House that that show that used to be on Fox yeah. about that doctor house, Dr. House. And he had, a uh, one of his, uh, interns had come up to him and said, Dr. House, why don't we put the patient on methotrexate? And he had said, no, that's too extreme. That's like carpet bombing. So if Dr. <laughs> house says it's too extreme. It is anyway, methotrexate is what they first offer to people when they come to them without like the same thing happened to somebody I know who has psoriatic arthritis. Um, methotrexate was the first thing they offered and it's so intense it like hurt my stomach you know it'll put holes in your stomach um maybe ulcers uh, i wasn't on it for very long to probably hopefully not cause serious damage or anything but like it didn't really even work that great uh 
And it's a, it's a chemo drug. Like <laughs> it has all sorts of uses, but it's a chemo drug. They give it to cancer. Uh, crazy. Holy anyway, shit. I, um, I would not that. associate that. And I, I tend to think of things that I don't know about in a very simple way. But when I think of inflammation, I nowhere get to like a chemo kill cells thing. I would get to like relax the cells. Not like kill, right? Or am I? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you had any discussions, but like, I think of them as like either being too tight or being something rubbing them the wrong way, which is causing inflammation, or something pinching them, like a pressure. So I want to relieve pressure. I don't want to kill. Chemo, I I think, just fucking. I mean, uh, kill. Actually, I don't know if. So the method, the the second I went back, you know, six months later or whatever, and got on. The, the meloxicam, which is an NSAID, the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug, which just great for killing inflammation in the whole body, although it's going to make the problem worse in the long run and also cause possible stomach issues. But I tolerated that really well. I never had any side effects. The only side effects I'd have would be like drowsiness, um, uh, slight drowsiness, I think, was the only side effects I ever noticed. Uh but the eye thing is why I brought that up. So, yeah, he, um, the eye doctor gave me these steroid, not the non-steroid, like the, the meloxicam is a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug and NSAID. These eye drops were just straight up steroid eye drops. Um, I mean, they didn't make me feel, but it's just locally to the eye. But um, they have all these warnings about them. If you use them wrong, you can get glaucoma, but of course, if I don't take it, I get permanent eye damage and like blindness. Um, so I had, to, yeah, I had to take the drops for a month. And then it was another couple months before the blurriness went away. And then in the years since then, I probably had that happen like at least half a dozen times. Uh, and I would get flare ups. Um, sometimes instead of going, the inflammation going to my back or my knees, it would go to my eye. And, uh, a month of these steroid drops and then a couple months more for the blurriness to go away. And it's just so disconcerting just going about my life with one like super blurry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and the, what made me think of it now is the, my sauna that I have, I like it cause my head sticks out of it and doesn't get caught. Cause one time it was a sauna that triggered it. I was in a full body sauna and I guess it just caused irritation to my eye getting my head so hot. Yeah. The stress. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you're pushing your body in that way, if there's a weakness, I mean, it could, mm-hmm. you know, it's I was probably uh, close to having a flare up, but I hadn't gotten there. And just that heat just triggered it. But I, and I don't know. I keep asking questions. If there is a timeline for your story, I keep kind of um, de-timelining it with my questions. I think that's my story. I think I pretty yeah. much covered it. But I'm curious to going from the doctor to making the decision with the diet and choosing like the first raw meat thing that you're going to eat. Was it just like the novelty that made you want to try it? Or was there a particular thing you read that you kind of held on to that you were like, yes, this raw meat will do me right. Um, going from the doctor to that, the, what, what you mean the, yeah, the witch well, doctor? Just because of the health, right? 
So you're taking oh, medicine, oh. and now you're like, hey, I kind of want to get off this medicine, and I want to. So I, I can be like diet. an extreme. Yeah. So yeah, I decided I want to get off the meloxicam. I tried a couple. You know, I tried quite a few times, and you know, made it three months one time, made it a month and a half a couple times. And just always had to go back on it when inflammation started back up. Normally, my eye would go out, and that's what would force me to go back on it. That was the worst way. Like, I seem to have gotten over that. And I, so I seem to have um, fixed my eye um, being the first symptom of it to, like, go out. Like, I haven't had any eye problems. I've had some flare-ups, minor ones. They've just gone to my knees or my back or something. Um, I started going outside early in the morning to watch the sunrise and I started wearing blue blocker glasses at night. If I was looking at a screen or if I was around any lights, you know, um, they all have that, that blue wavelength in them and that blue light is so toxic. It's one of these things that if the young me heard this, it would have been like, oh, that's some bullshit. Like that's <laughs> not, that can't be important. What's important is getting exercise and whatever. Um, but watching that sunrise, you get that red light. It's like those red light devices that people buy. I'm going to get one of those at some point. I'm pretty poor at the moment, <laughs> but, uh, I think that if you can get out and get the sun, that's going to be even better than one of those expensive red light panels. Um, and the same thing in the evening, watch the sunset. It's the first 15 minutes and the last 15 minutes when it's most powerful. But, the, you know, just whenever you can get out there and see it before 9 a.m., um, that is a huge health hack that people are going to say is such bullshit. Um, I feel like Andrew, what is his name? Andrew Huberman? Huberman? It's been on Lex Friedman, Joe Rogan. Yeah, I have his podcast. I listen to that sometimes. I feel like his uh, the, the last couple posts I've seen of him on IG have been all about the benefits of just natural sunlight and watching it, and like to mm -hmm. try to combat all the screen, like the mm -hmm. the effects of screens on your eyesight. Yep, if you just you get the. Blue blockers at night to block, especially at night to during the day. You can wear like the yellow ones that block some of it or whatever. But at night, like you need like not just the clear ones or the yellow ones, like the ones like this, or even the pure red ones that are absolute. That's what Dave Asprey wears. He wears, wears those pure red ones. Um, and then another thing like that that people think is bullshit, but is absolutely science backed, is grounding. When I go outside and I watch the sun, I'm barefoot, and the earth emits negative ions that we absorb in our bodies and like the debate like that. And that's if you Google earth emits negative ions, it's the, you know, all the results are talking about it. The debate seems to be exactly what the health benefits are. And it's not that are there health benefits. It's like, Oh, well, is it just, um, relieving depression and relieving, um, inflammation or is it also doing these other things um, there's like a whole list of things that they're debating like what does it do um, like WebMD was saying that it even is anti um, not anti-antimicrobial anti, anti <laughs> it's like what I don't even understand how that works but uh so I, that's part of my whole health and my whole, 
Instagram page too is a big emphasis on just going barefoot in nature. I am like lucky enough to live next to these awesome hiking trails with a creek that runs through it. So that's where I film all my content. Mm. It's like a seven minute walk from the house to these trails and then 10 minutes down to the creek. So I go down there with a backpack and all my food and go down there and eat, eat my raw meat in the creek, squatting in the creek a lot of the time. Um, and absorbing these negative ions. And sometimes people in the comments will try to like argue with me, not about like, why am I eating raw meat? But like, oh, that's such bullshit. We've talking about the earth emits negative ions. I'm like, oh my God, just go look it up. Like Google it. It's not even debated that it emits negative ions. So, um, do you know why it's good for us to get negative ions? It, it, uh, well, so it's the way I look at it is, or I've heard it described is you don't want to put your cell phone on your nuts <laughs> because of the harmful radiation, the I, so there's different types of ionizing radiation. And I guess the negative ions are healing and the kind the cell phone emits is super harmful and causes cancer, you know? Hmm. Um, and for like literally, uh, one of the studies I just saw on some, on, uh, Carnivorelius's story today is, uh, having your cell phone in your pocket lowers your testosterone, like measurably. Hmm. And then somehow the negative, yeah, I'll have to look that up, man. So I actually did it yesterday. I love going out, um, to par three golf and I just go with my feet. I love taking, like, it's weird. I love going out to a golf course with my shirt off, my flip-flops off, and just in like some basketball shorts and just be out there for two hours, feel the grass, feel the sun. And I don't, I don't know if I get all scientific nice. with it, but I just know that I just know that like, I feel good afterwards. Even if I sweat, like, like it'd be 95 degrees, hot as hell, no one's out there. And I'm just like, it feels good afterwards. But I've never thought about like, why, if I'm getting negative ions, I always worried I was getting some sort of like, round up cancer because i'm on a golf course that's probably treated that's with the all scary sorts part of shit. about that's <laughs> the scary part about everything now like oh uh, yeah that's why uh uh yeah golf courses scare me yeah um i mean but it's like i do the same thing when i i wake up i take my daughter she does this junior guards thing and i'll go for whatever just like a walk on the beach in the sand and you feel the water and you're just your feet digging into sand and, you know, even walking on a sidewalk, it's weird. Like we leave the car and we walk the sidewalk in our bare feet. And it's the weird texture that you really don't realize how often you don't feel mm -hmm. <laughs> until you feel it. And then you're like, damn, my feet are like soft. I'm, a, I'm a, my feet, the bottom of my feet are soft. <laughs> like they maybe shouldn't um, be. <laughs> the, the water thing, is uh is because that's where the negative ions are the strongest in water oh, okay. like the more wet the environment the stronger they're going to be so the ocean is the best place um you, they, they still go through concrete but not asphalt asphalt i guess is sort of like an insulative barrier and yeah because it's not porous so every time yeah. you have asphalt you have to at least here you have to make a retention pond for all the runoff yeah. because Nothing exactly. So like it. even in a desert or like well, on a rock or something, right? you'll still get some negative ions, but not, not on asphalt apparently. 
Um, but I didn't really answer your question about uh, what drew me to the raw meat eating. Was that the question? Yeah, I mean, I just throw questions around. It was definitely yeah, one of um, them. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I, you know, I guess I'm a little bit, uh, uh, you know, drawn towards the extreme end of, I mean, am I? I don't know. I guess in some cases, you know, if I apply my, whatever my interest is, I like to really fully go into it. And so if my interest is meat, because it, it became meat, I was like, oh, okay, meat is like, you know, I really like the meat heels hashtag, you know. Um, uh, so what drew me to the raw meat is they just made some good arguments that, let's see, what are some good arguments for the, you know, cooking oxidizes your food and sort of adds in but see, i don't like to talk trash about cooked food i because you know i still eat i mean this this spring and summer i've been not eating much cooked meat maybe maybe two or three times a week i'll have like a um cooked ribeye or something like that but uh I notice when I eat like brisket, like if there's a brisket place near my house and I try to get grass fed meat most of the time. Um, when I go, like, that's what I, you know, if I buy meat from the local meat counter, I'll, I'll get grass fed. Um, but occasionally, uh, you know, I haven't in a while now, but every time I would try this brisket place or other brisket places I've tried, uh, I'm just, get, I get this nauseous feeling afterwards. Like I really enjoy eating it. It's fucking like, there's nothing like to cook meat. It tastes real good, <laughs> but uh, just leaves me feeling like a little bit nauseous. Just like makes me feel like, oh man, I want to smoke some weed or something and make my like stomach ache go away. I'm like, oh, I don't smoke weed anymore. Too bad. <laughs> um, yeah. It just leaves me with this, like, not like lethargic, nauseous feeling. Um, and I don't get that as much if I like cook ribeye the way I like it, where it's still pretty red, you know, or like really red, but not really cooked inside, just nice, nice and crispy on the outside and bloody inside. Um, that doesn't really happen the same way. But so maybe it's just to do with the amount of rendered fat because rendered fat definitely will make you nauseous if you have too much of it. So maybe that's what it is. But, um, So yeah, raw meat has never made me feel the least bit nauseous. It has, um, people ask about the flavor. It has a, a blank flavor. I got that term from a <laughs> guy, this guy raw meat experiment who blew up on Instagram. I was posting about raw or, you know, about raw meat before him, but he came and blew up real quick and just would sit outside of whole foods every day and eat raw meat. And, uh, seriously just like on the curb no at the tables they have tables out front yeah. of whole foods you know <laughs> that was his thing and in his bio it said eating eating raw meat in front of whole foods every day until i die from bacteria overdose or something like that or until i eating raw meat in front of whole foods every day until i die or live to be 150 or something like that <laughs> um gimmicky <laughs> yeah he, he i mean he had made like five other instagram accounts go viral before that 
That's what he does. I don't know shit. Um, he had like what's doggos doing things. It's like millions of followers, just doggos doing things on it, just random accounts that he's he knows how to make memes and so he was real good at that. Anyway, it brought a lot of attention to it. Um, and he described it as a blank flavor. That's that's where I got that from. And now the guy who's bringing the attention to it is Liver King. You run into Liver King at all? No, dude, you're my first. You're my first foray into this circle. I'm is- shocked you found me before you found Liver King. He's got. He's come. I think he's coming up on like two million subscribers now. Huh. Uh, two followers. Um, he's huge. So all these podcasts I listen to that are meat based. A lot of them will advertise uh, like ancestral supplements or carnivore MD has his own desiccated organ line. It's these, you know, desiccated organ su- supplements. It's like the, you know, carnivore version of a multivitamin basically. Um, but they're just like ground up organ parts. Yeah. Like freeze dried, freeze dried, freeze dried ground up organs. Okay. Um, you know, liver is the most common, but, you know, there's all the all the organs, literally all the organs, um, everything from liver, kidney, pancreas, blood, marrow, brain, everything. Anyway, so this this Liver King guy is actually behind all these companies. People don't really know it, but he is like, he's like, yeah, he's he's the Liver King. And up until he's only been on social media for like eleven months now. And before that, he was just running his business and he decided to go on. <laughs> he's highly controversial because he, I mean, he has to be on, I don't know if he's on steroids. I mean, he looks like he's on steroids. He has a real unique look and uh, swears that he's not on steroids and says that he talks in the third person and says, Liver King looks like Liver King does because Liver King put in the work and eats like Liver King does and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and he just has a pretty ridiculous Instagram where he just is over the top on everything. And he's really drawing a lot of attention to the raw meat thing now. Holy um, shit. I just looked him up, man. The beard and he is fucking shredded. Yeah. He has those abs that people think are like injected in him or something. Cause they're always there. Like no one has abs that look like that. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, he has, apparently he has been working out since he was like in middle school. I don't know. Maybe it's possible that he's not on steroids. Um, Man, dude, he's got some fucking bite. I don't know what steroids do to you um, because I've never – I've always been more like that lean runner basketball physique. I've never tried to bulk up because in my head I'm always fearful when I hit a certain age, where does that bulk go? Like I just worry about the the weight – and what that would do to my joints when I'm like 65, 70. So I've always so tried to be as like lean as I can. I think that's a common thing people think about. That's how my parents definitely thought. Like they didn't like the idea of me weight training in high school. Um, They're always kind of scared of any sort of bodybuilding. But um, there's a whole other way to look at that, which um, so like one of the podcasts I listen to um this guy, I mean, he's an older guy. He's not keto, which is a keto naturopath. Um, I think that's the one. Yeah, keto naturopath. He's a older guy and I don't know, at least 60s. Um, and 
yeah, not over 60, it's probably 60 something. Uh, and just talks about the massive importance of having muscle as you age and that osteo, what is it, osteopenia, osteo, whatever it I've is, you don't have enough muscle and then you, you, you fall down and you can't get back up is like the indicator for that is like muscle. Um, yeah, but so like when I look at the liver king, so I look at you, I don't think you're bulked. I think you're lean. Oh, well, I'm not trying to imply that liver king is any sort of ideal that should be strived for by anybody. No, well, it's, it's the, <laughs> I guess I'm looking at just his body and he does look like, uh, like it looks like if he, you're going to reach an age where you can't be as active, right? And then what happens to your, I don't know how much he weighs, whatever, 225, 250, where your body's natural weight is probably closer to like 180, 170. So where does that extra 40 pounds of muscle, what does that turn into when you're, when you're not working out anymore, just flabby skin? Does it go away? And like, I guess, uh, I mean, to me, that's not a concern. I mean, I have other concerns about, about what, what liver King may or may not be doing. Um, and, and I'm not, you know, I don't find the way he looks to be healthy. Really. Those abs scare me, but, um, <laughs> the way they pop out. Cause I mean, dude, you yeah. got some like serious ab pics too, man. Yeah. But it's not the same. It like, it's not, uh, you know, I can, I can just kind of relax and not, you know, not really have abs. Like I'm flexing in a lot of my pictures. That's how Instagram is, you know, like yeah. you can see in some of my videos, I, I know I might be forgetting to flex for a minute or something, <laughs> but if I don't flex, like, I mean, I, I do still naturally have abs, but they're not all, they're literally not always there. Like his are literally always there and just super extend, like distended like that. Like they're on top of his, like there's like a steroid gut that some people get. It looks like he has that with abs on top of that. It's a weird look. I don't know. But, but your concern about having too much muscle and where does it go? That is not a concern I would have because it goes away. Like if, it, it doesn't turn into anything bad. It, it the muscles, it's like a, uh, it's, it's like where does fat go? It burns off. I think muscle works pretty similarly. I've never really thought about this. Yeah. See, I just look it, at but... it as like force. So I look at it like with every step, if I have more weight, I'm putting more force onto my joints where as I get older, I'd rather be leaner. Not that I want to stop, lifting weights i just don't want to lift i don't want to have bulk and i it, yeah i mean that's uh, yeah i mean oh you're still lifting that's uh yeah because you want I mean, to lift it's just to the people who want to do density. cardio and, and who like yeah i'm going to be healthy i'm going to exercise i'm going to run every day it's like okay but what about i mean yeah i don't think you need to be training for size if you're lifting weights you can be training you know like what is there like there's the two i'm not like a super weightlifting expert but there's like the training for size or there's the training for power right like the power lifters aren't going to necessarily look like bodybuilders um and i agree with you there that it probably makes more sense to have the functional strength than to just have the size absolutely yeah i don't even know how we got on that tangent but it made me it really is like one of those things i, I look at thick people like that liver king guy and i look at that body and i'm like it's almost like arnold schwarzenegger where i guess he's 
healthy. But I wonder as he's getting up there in age, you're like, do you just feel that extra weight? Do you not have, it's got it to sap your energy because now you naturally, as your energy is decreasing, it takes more energy to move the extra 40 pounds that if. Yeah, I'm surprised by how much muscle Arnold still has. I mean, it seems like he's really got his steroid regimen figured out. Nice low dose. <laughs> like, I think that's what's going on with him. Dude, that's. So the steroid thing, it's funny. It, it, is that like a trigger for you or is that just like a funny oh, thing? I just to... think it's super common. And uh, I mean, I don't want to sound like I'm talking shit. Like I, okay. It might not be steroids. It might just be testosterone and HGH. Gotcha. I mean, that could be for liver King too. Like wait, but I mean, liver King really seems like steroids, but um, all three of those things, testosterone, HGH, steroids, they're just very, you know, more common than a lot of people think, I think. for, um, Like, there's that guy on YouTube, uh, More Plates, More Dates. Is that is that the guy that... I might be getting confused with somebody else. I think that's the guy that just reviews people that look like they're on steroids and answers, like, you know, tries to decide what he thinks, whether they're on steroids or not. <laughs> Dude, this is a, There's so much of the internet that I do not know, and that is one of them. They're like I can't believe he's, that's guy, he's a got thing. a real big YouTube account. I can't believe that's a thing. Because there's all these people in the fitness world that deny they're on steroids, and they're actually on steroids. Uh... I mean, I've never spent that much time in the gym. Um, right when I first got hurt, I was actually kind of against my parents' wishes, uh, like in the doing weight training in high school, and like then I couldn't do the leg parts i'd still do the um the bench press and everything but i couldn't do the the squatting and all that um and then actually just recently i've started going back to the gym i tried a few times back when i was still smoking weed it just whatever i wasn't motivated to do it but um just recently i started going back i've got to i've got to get more muscle in my legs because they're still smaller than they should be after uh all those years of limping they atrophied just a little bit and um, have not made up for that yet. So it's not going to happen with the body weight exercises I do in the woods. Very hard to make that happen. I've got to go and squat heavy to make that happen. Why is that a concern for you when you say they're smaller than they should be? Is there some? Sort oh, of I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to say like uh, like even for aesthetically. I mean, they are like. I mean, for to me, they are aesthetically, but. I mean, uh, it's, uh, it's just, they're, they're weaker than I would like. Like I, I, uh, I mean, picking up heavy things has always been, uh, like one of my strengths, but, uh, um, I feel like that's mostly upper body for me and that just my, cause like I couldn't squat for, uh, that's why I'm squatting in all these poses now. It's more like a thing that I haven't really explained on Instagram, but like, or maybe just a little bit, um, but I, I couldn't squat for at all for 10 years. And then for another eight years after that, like it was super painful and I couldn't do it well. And so now I'm to the point where I'm not on any medications and I can squat, you know, I can get down in like a primal position squat, which is one of those, it's another one of those positions that's like indicative of mobility into, you know, your later years in life and uh, yeah. being able to do that, that, that squat position is just super, 
important. And, um, yeah. So if I try to come up from that kit, you know, like, anyway, I just got to, uh, kind of grow my legs a little bit. Yeah. I'm curious. Cause that's funny. I've, I've taken that for granted. My knee cracks a little bit, but, and I, I don't go to the gym and do leg workouts. I guess I look at leg workouts where I'll do body squats or when I saw a knees over toe guy, um, I started trying to do, I got like a little incline that I can put my one leg on and it's not exactly a pistol squat, but it's like close. It's the one where he like will stand on three or four weights and he does that slow decline where he taps his heel and then he brings it up without any weight. That's like, I, I like that. But basically I look for my leg strength in just my, in cardio and like jogging. I look at jogging as a leg strength thing or maybe goblet squats, squats with like a 25 pound weight or something. But um, that's why I'm kind of curious about what you're feeling with like just natural, because it seems so much of what you post is like natural strength, right? Pull yourself yeah, up. Yeah, and so yeah, so thanks for reminding me about knees over toes guy because, um, yeah, he's definitely one of my heroes uh, along with like, uh, Carnivore MD. Uh, I was following him before he went on Rogan and just sort of like noticing him like not really paying that much attention to him, but just noticing like all this buzz around him. Then he went on Rogan and blew up, of course. And um, that was really fun to watch. Uh, and he's really inspired me a lot to, to fix my knees because um, they're still not, you know, 100%. So I've been, I built a tire sled and I've been pulling that up and down my street barefoot with all the neighbors looking at me like I'm a weirdo. Um, and I'd recommend that to anybody who doesn't go to a gym where there's a tire sled and doesn't want to spend the kind of excessive money to get like a, um, to get friction, to get weight, to get friction. a, yeah, to put down turf and get a sled <laughs> and all that. Like that's not a small project exactly. Um, but tire sled maybe looks a little funny, but super effective, super easy. Just put a eye hook in a tire and pull that around you can put i just put my um little you know 20 pound dumbbells in it so it's got 40 pounds of weight on the street with friction and that's uh that kicks my ass yeah so what do you notice with it or have you done it enough to feel no i've been doing that for quite a while now um i just recently did uh instagram post about it which was actually um my most popular post yeah i got a whole like 750 likes or something uh (laughs) Um, cause I kind of, yeah, it's, uh, getting the trending, trending audio and everything, but, um, no, I definitely, after I do it, it just, yeah, it feels like a good leg, a good leg workout and, um, noticed less instances of knee pain when going upstairs or whatever, um, pull it backwards like 90% of the time. Dude, you would get uh, pain going upstairs? Do I? Yeah, is that what you just said? Like um, less pain when you go upstairs? Not So not all the time. I'll get less instances of it now for sure. Um, yeah, no, I, I still have quite a few janky issues going on with my hips and my knees. Uh, my knees are like 90-something percent much better gotta I've gotta do some like serious mobility work on my hips still and my back um but 
pulling that sled and walking backwards up this hill when I walk the dog. There's this one really nice big hill I walk backwards up. And I uh, just did another really good Instagram post. <laughs> I really enjoy using a trending audio and making it fit whatever I'm trying to talk about. Because uh, reels are the game nowadays or whatever. So um, instead of just doing a post with like 10 pictures, like I maybe would have used to to show how to do whatever I'm talking about. I've got to cram it into like a short 15 second reel, quick shot, whatever I'm doing. But uh, uh, so I fixed my shin splints. I was, um, cause I couldn't run for all these years and then I could run again. And I kind of, the first couple times I did it, I overdid it, ran like a couple miles barefoot on these trails that I like to run on near my house. And uh, thought that that would actually keep me from getting shin splints. Cause I'd heard that running barefoot it's the heel striking that causes it, but I got real bad shin splints. Uh, I'm just running barefoot. And so um, that was before I found these over toes guy. And then I, you know, that's one of his big things is doing those tib raises just against a wall. Um, I actually have a tib bar too, but um, those wall tib raises are super effective. If you're just consistent with them at all for any amount of time, like a couple months. Really? Uh, and my shin splints are gone and I can run again. <laughs> Um, it's pretty amazing. What did that, so I do a little bit of jogging. Like, what did that mean for you is, was it distance? Was it pace? Was it just comfort? When you say um, I can run again, or is it just everything, all that? Like you literally had to stop with the shin splints? Cause yeah, I, never had shin splints. I just, yeah. Like if I would run any distance with the shins, um, back when I was still getting, if, if, if I was feeling good, but then I would go run any distance, like a mile, you know, um, it would start to hurt. And then it was already too late by that point. And the shin spins would then persist for a couple months and running would aggravate them. So it would have to be a couple months of no running. And then normally I'd go longer than a couple months. So it would be like, you know, a full six months of no running, you know, um, cause I was never a huge runner either, but I do enjoy it now. It's pretty cool. Like I don't do it super frequently. Normally I just do hiking, uh, on those trails, but a couple times a week I'll do some running and I really enjoy it. How's the barefoot thing go for you? Like I've jogged on the sand and it takes me when I jogged on the beach, I did a lot last summer. I remember the first couple of times the bottom of my feet were just rubbed raw, catching like little shells, little rocks, and like the friction. So, yeah. But I could um, imagine on a trail with like tree roots. I don't like have a lot of experience. Place. I mean, I kind of grew up on uh, in Hawaii, but I never like ran around on the beach a lot. Uh, you know, I played in the played at the beach or whatever, but um, I don't have a lot of experience running on sand. But I have heard that it's not actually people try to think it's the best place to run barefoot, but it's not actually because like you can't see hidden obstacles in the sand. So there could be like a syringe or something that you can't see yeah. buried in the sand. Fish hooks, um, man. Fucking fish, fish hooks. hooks from surf fishermen. Um, so this one podcast I really like is um, by the owner of Zero Shoes, a barefoot shoe company. So uh, they're one of the, they're like the biggest American barefoot shoe company. Like Vivo Barefoot is also really big, but they're not, I think they're American. Um, Zero Shoes, it's X-E-R-O, Zero Shoes with an X. Anyway, the CEO of that company is a wacky dude <laughs> and he's got a podcast. Um, 
where he interviews people about various health-related topics, and frequently it'll be running-related, and he has just all these little stories he likes to tell frequently. And yeah, one is (laughs) running on sand is not the best, and running on grass is not the best because it teaches you to continue to run with to, to heel strike and you know this is a whole conversation about barefoot running now but heel striking is you know not the way that a lot of people think we should be running and that's mm. how these shoes that we wear teach us to run there's really no way to run or you know it's almost you know not impossible but it's not the way these shoes are designed to run any way except heel striking and so the um when i run barefoot like my heels you know, something like I, I can go a long ways without them touching the ground. That's maybe not ideal. Like I maybe should be midfoot striking more. And I feel like I, I, when I get into a good midfoot like pace, um, that feels really good. But my urge is to just totally forefoot strike and have my heels not even touch the ground when I run on the trails, hmm. um, which I think can actually put extra pressure on the tibiala. And like, so that's why or, you know, that can actually put extra pressure on the shin bone, which can cause the the shin splints. Um, But I, so it's awesome that I can put all that pressure on it now, not, not get shin splints. Um, But barefoot sprinter, I think on Instagram is a good account that he'll just break down his stride when he's running barefoot and he'll be doing it on grass, but he'll have the correct, you know, Forefoot strike going on or midfoot strike, whatever. Uh, Can you midfoot strike with a arch? I thought most people were fairly high arched. So yeah. I always thought so it was there's like... this whole thing about mid. Like I still don't understand. I mean, I use the term just now, but I. <laughs> it's a weird thing. It's sort of like a forefoot strike. That's not quite as much of a. It's just a yeah, less toes. Like it's maybe the forefoot is all toes and the midfoot is just that chubby part right below the toes. Yeah. It's like, cause it's not, it doesn't feel good to do a, like when you think of the actual middle part of the foot to land just directly on that. So it is a midfoot strike, but it's sort of the way it's rolling really quickly into a more middle part. I don't, it's hard to describe, but this guy <laughs> does a much better job than me, barefoot sprinter of describing the proper way to do it. Um, and really, you have to see it to to know what he's talking about. Um, uh, is can I ask for the the fitness thing? Is it really just about for you like getting rid of the arthritis being functional, or is this like a career goal? Do you hope to be like a a fitness guy that people follow? Like you study it more? Oh yeah, I tips? mean. Uh... Yeah, I feel like I could probably be some sort of um, yeah, like primal health coach type person. Um, okay. Thinking about taking the primal health coach training because there is an actual uh, that guy Mark Sisson stepped front of the Primal Health Institute and has the you know the company he just sold with all the salad dressings and everything with no seed oils in them. And then he has this health coach institute, but I don't know if I actually need that certification to 
to do that. So I'm just working on yeah, growing my following on Instagram because I'm not even to 2,000 followers yet. Working on it, getting there any any day now. Posting all these reels is helping a lot. Um, I've like doubled my account in the past month. Uh, How much do you study that? Because I noticed like that was one of your stories after I followed you, waiting for you to come on the pod. Um, it was like I thank you algorithm, or I figured out the algorithm. Like it was. Kind yeah. of funny to see your your journey of like, hey, I, I'm trying to I'm, be scientific and building up. I'm thinking about just, I don't want to create a whole other account. It'd be so much work. Maybe just posting in my stories more just about little tricks I'm learning for the how Instagram works and everything. Just even, even tricks on how to do certain things in stories, like how to put multiple images into it, like multiple pictures into a story. Just figured that out. Uh, or, um how to change the background color in a story, just figured that out. I don't know, all these little things like that. But then uh, the important thing, like how to actually grow your account. Yeah, so these days it's, I just, to figure this out, all I did was just watch some some YouTube videos on it by some, some big accounts that just post Instagram news and whatnot. But uh, um, yeah, so these days the algorithm is wanting to just be TikTok basically. So they're looking mm -hmm. for reels under 15 seconds with trending audio, in most cases, it's going to help you. Um, and so once I started doing that, I think it was like the second one that I posted, the algorithm uh, just gave me like a dozen followers all in a row like that. And I'm like, ah, that's never happened before. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Because so normally I look at people when they follow me and if they have you know, if their accounts aren't private, um, I'll see if we have similar people that we're following. And that way I can tell if they sort of how they found me, because I'll leave comments on certain accounts that I like and people follow me from those comments. And none of these people followed any accounts that I followed. They were all totally new, which probably means they're going to just like be weirded out by my content and <laughs> <laughs> not really do that. They're kind of almost like hate watching or something, but. Yeah, that's that's the interesting part. How many people follow just to wait to be upset over some shit mm -hmm. versus actually learn? So, dude, that's it. Sounds so simple then. So, trending audio and quick picks under fifteen seconds. Hit a story. Let it go. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, just a reel under fifteen seconds. Trending audio. So, when you're looking for trending audio. Um, you know, if you just hear something a whole lot, that's a good sign. It might be good. But when you're looking at a reel and then you look down at where it's the showing what the, the, the audio for it is on the left corner, if there's a little arrow sort of pointing diagonally up right to the left of that trending audio, that means that audio is actually trending. Uh, <laughs> Hence the arrow going I, up. If I worded that right, the audio will <laughs> have an arrow to the left of it. If that arrow is there, that means the audio is trending. Otherwise, it's just regular audio. Gotcha. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's the secret to it now. And then consistency, you know, posting, posting like six or seven days a week. Yeah, man, dude, I get exhausted just with the pod. Like, as this little side hustle podcast of mine, I, it's funny, man. I just want to get to know different people. I want to post a short little clip in my feed. And I tried the hashtag thing, but the hashtag thing, when I look at my numbers, 
doesn't seem to bring in a ton of hashtags are not that important anymore um, yeah. i just listened to a whole thing about it like they might have like if your your video is already going to do good hashtags could maybe help bring it to a new you know those niche audiences but um and in certain situations like when i did my if i do a knees over toes post like the one about the shin splints or the one about the tire sled you know i put a few i put like kot knees over toes i tag knees over toes guy and hashtag knees over toes guy and um atg you know hashtag atg hashtag kot and needs over toes guy and those are just the three hashtags I used for those and i've stopped using hashtags for like all the first posts i did i would put so many and they'd all be you know meat meat heels blah 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 but that's that one community and that that did kind of work for that one community but that one community is never going to make me go viral that like meat lovers community i mean there's a bunch of them but um it's when i do more generic posts that i can tell i get into the worldwide algorithm and I'll be seeing these like Indian accounts start liking my posts, like 50 <laughs> of them in a row. Like um, that happened just with one quick little reel I did just walking on this trail that's all green and it's this nice small little trail and it goes through this, like just kind of winds up this hill into these pine trees. And I just put some like super short ambient trending audio and um, sort of a serene sound and a serene scene. And uh, that's the first one I got that, or uh, that was the second one I got that like took off a little bit and, you know, got like 500 likes. And then that knees over toes tire sled one did the same thing. It um, it took off and you know, 700, but uh, the raw meat content doesn't, doesn't really seem to do that. <laughs> it seems to not really have such a wide audience, except I just turned on sharing reels to Facebook because I just found that switch for the first time. And the first time one of those made it to Facebook, it got 1,500. It, no, it said uh, it's over 2,000 likes now on Facebook. And I hardly, I don't even like Facebook. And kind of pisses me off that my reel with the most likes is on Facebook now. Yeah, it's such a weird thing because it's the same company, right? Yeah, it's some bullshit. It's so lame that they own both. Yeah, I wonder if it's an age thing. Like, what would be the demographic that would like that more in Facebook? Or is Facebook just looking for that content that they can then Oh, I mean, Facebook out? is definitely older, but I don't know why they why that took off. Because I feel like it definitely could have taken off on Instagram, too. And I don't see why older people would like that more than young. I don't know. Yeah. So the hope, the desire to go viral, is that just a money-making thing for you? Like you get to like start the business, the more followers you have, then yeah. you can I mean, if I'm putting all this effort into this account, it'd be nice to uh, see it, see it do well, you know? Gotcha. Yeah. It's such an interesting thing. Yeah. I'm just doing the podcast and I do Instagram. I haven't figured out how to help Instagram increased podcast because i like the long form unedited conversation so it doesn't help me with the 15 second TikTok. yeah thing. none of you i know. follow a few other people with podcasts and none of the podcast pages seem to do very well yeah it's um it's not instagram friendly um but it's the instagram is a cool way to find people to talk to because you get absolutely. to know a little bit and you get to almost like get a bio from them 
but it's interesting to me, people that um, see it as the business model. Like instead of having the corner store and putting up a billboard, putting flyers in your town type business model, it's like, hey, I've got this idea, I have this service, let me get it on social media. And that's the business model to be successful. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know if that was really a question, but it was just more like an observation of, I don't know, man, how life changes. And it makes me wonder if it's, uh, if almost too many, not to be a Debbie Downer, but like, what's the zag, right? So like, if everyone's going in the direction, is there a zag to the social media that you've thought about? Cause you seem very well read. You seem like you think about shit a lot. I can be an overthinker. I'm trying not to be these these days. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like, you mean like the end goal with the social media, or well, no, like the zag. So if everybody's going social media with business routes, trying to go viral, trying to get the following, which leads to influence or leads to sponsors. Um, if you zag, there's an open market somewhere because everybody's focused on social media. That's true. That's true. That's uh, I don't have to ponder that. I like that. Um, a good way to look at it it's uh talking to people in real life i don't, I don't know <laughs> i guess so right long form podcast that's it well oh. this has been cool because um or i mean instagram because uh i just had like one guy just totally reach out out of the blue he said i just saw your pinned comment on liver king's post and um like just moved here from Hawaii or, you know, to a town an hour from me, uh, from Hawaii with my girlfriend and I'm a photographer and I'm just trying to build a community of just, just fitness people and just healthy, like-minded people and build some community. Cause I don't know anybody here. And so we like met, you know, halfway, like a 45 minute drive for each of us at this cool, like river spot and like, and he's a photographer. So we like did a photo shoot and, um, these other, these biohacker people are, uh, um, all meeting up, up in Michigan. So I guess I'm going to drive up there from North Carolina here in about a week and like go camp in this guy's yard for however long and make content with those guys. And that'll be real cool. Cause I've been, been talking to them on there for a while and I like their content and their vibe. So. And I broke up with all my old toxic friends, so I do need to replace my friends. So that's good. Your group, yeah. Not not to talk shit about them, but when you say toxic friends, eating habits, lifestyle choices, what made them? Oh, you know, they toxic? all. Well, the, probably the biggest thing was that they all smoked weed, and I just <laughs> had to quit smoking weed. And then you know, like most of them smoke cigarettes, and. Like if I had tried to start my Instagram page and I was still actively hanging out with them, I, I wouldn't have, wouldn't have happened. It just, I wouldn't have started it in the first place. And if I had, they, you know, it would have been like, oh dude, that's fucking lame. Like, what are you doing? Like, oh my God. <laughs> you know what I mean? People, they hold you back. You need uh, you need community that, that gets what you're trying to do. Yeah. And just more, what, what, what if I heard about improv, like never say no. So even if somebody has an idea and you think it's whatever lame, you don't end it. You always just try to add to it. Yeah, I like that. That's that's uh, something I've been thinking about trying to definitely 
continue to implement. I'm curious about the weed thing. Um, cause if you can eat raw meat, why can't you smoke raw plant? Well, to smoke it, it's not raw anymore. So one of the guys that I follow, well, and, and just for me personally, when I smoke weed, it makes me fucking lazy. Uh, even if I go into it with detention, that's not going to be what happens. Like, and maybe it isn't right at first, but then eventually it does. And if I'm only going to do it at night and it creeps earlier and earlier in the day. And those are all bad things, but I could handle those things and I could probably deal with those and overcome them and have it be a good part of my life, except the munchies. The munchies fucking kills me. Uh, I overeat. Even if I'm like the last time I tried smoking, I was not eating junk food anymore. I was eating like good food, but I just overate on it. It's fucking gorged on it. And you know, that can still cause me to have inflammation. Hmm. Just eating too much of even the right food, you know, it's not, it's not good. Um, so yeah it just it seems like uh, it i just, just yeah for me i mean i have you know a couple of my old friends that weren't talking you know a couple of the, the non-toxic ones like didn't smoke cigarettes and weren't super negative or whatever uh you know good good guys but like still smoke weed and like can handle it like have like awesome jobs where they kick ass and smoke weed and they probably will always do that and just i can't do that you know um but you were saying about the raw plant. Uh, so one of the guys I follow who's the most religious about the uh, raw primal diet, he's uh, he's a zealot of a Jonas Vonder planets, um, a disciple. Uh, he used to smoke weed too and he hasn't a long time and he just went, he's on like a road trip right now and I, I read his stories just went through uh oh some state where weed is legal and he's like hey guys i'm gonna try eating some weed and i think everybody told him like you gotta decarb it it's not gonna get you high unless you decarb it you know? <laughs> he's just gonna eat it raw and he's like no jonas Vonderplanet says if you chew it for long enough it'll get you high so now he's posting in his stories he's like i swear this works guys you just chew it you take a a big like a like a gram nug or something like over a gram nug and they're just like chew it for 15 minutes solid don't swallow your spit just keep chewing keep chewing keep chewing and then swallow it and your spit all at once and like you get so high it decarbs it your spit decarbs it i don't know like chew the bud itself yeah that's what he's saying but so 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 this guy um this guy does every so I don't even I don't even think we have enough time to get into a Jonas Thunder Planets in full now. <laughs> but he wrote this book, We Wanna Live. He died in Thailand like ten or fifteen years ago, something like that. He fell off a balcony in Thailand. Maybe the government killed him somehow because he was a big anti uh V word guy. I don't know if we can say the V word on here. But uh what's the V word? Vaccine. Oh, <laughs> uh... Yeah, dude, I'm going to go for it. Um, I was, I was kind of joking. Um, <laughs> uh, and he was like, a, you know, so he's this raw meat diet founder guy. And, uh, you know, anyway, he was, uh, oh, I just forgot what I was trying to say about him even. He was such a big subject of Jonas Vanderplanets. Um, yeah, I've never heard, dude, I've spoken to you and I feel like I've written down 22 different things that I've never heard about. 
which is part of why I really like oh, doing I remembered, this. Oh, I remembered. So <laughs> this guy, Jonas Vonderplanis, said some shit that will blow your mind. If you think anything I've said is wacky so far, prepare yourself because <laughs> one of the things that he says is good to do is to walk behind a cow and get its fresh uh, poop, the cow poop, and uh, eat some of it. Eat shit. And so this guy that I'm talking about on Instagram posted that in his stories of him. First he posted, hey, how should I approach this farmer about following one of his cows around to eat some of his poop? And then he posted his story of him actually doing that and eating it and making the, like, it didn't look like it tasted very good. And then another story he was eating, he had a, a pig intestine in his, he was in his car. He had a pig intestine and he was eating the poop out of that. What's the benefit that he's saying from eating? Feces? Oh, he was trying to get the trigonosis from the, the pig. He said, if I can get some of this trigonosis in me, it's really going to help me. What's trigonosis do? What is that? It's what you get. It's what you get from raw pork. It's, it's like salmonella, but the pork version It's okay. like fucks people up pretty good, but not him. I mean, he ate, he ate it. We saw him, you know, he, fine so who's trying to get trigonosis what is it do to you like is it like you vomit i mean your body rejects it? like typically what what do people say um what what are the i think it's something similar to salmonella i'm not really i have i actually know that you mentioned it i don't know what the yeah i think you probably get like like a really bad like food poisoning type thing gotcha. plus just, yeah just those type of symptoms vomit and just diarrhea like a motherfucker probably yeah, I'd have to look up what the symptoms of, of trigonosis are, but and he, was you know, he didn't get any of that. He'd probably just would describe that he got like a buzz or something. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, but he swears you can eat weed. You just got to chew it long enough. And then somebody else who's following him says, no, you've got you've to eat it with pineapple juice, and then that will do it. I don't know. The sugars. <laughs> the fermentation sugars. Dude, that's uh, God. Because How? yeah, they can't. You can't bake it or or burn it because then it's not raw. And these guys are strict. Like right? I still eat cooked meat. These guys do not. They they eat fruit and raw dairy and raw meat. Raw dairy too, huh? Yeah, you oh, well, posted that's, something. That's about gone that. super mainstream. That's like one of the. That's like on you know real mainstream raw dairy. Um, really? Like you can get raw cheese at the store. That's like the only dairy product that you can get in the U.S. That um, it's such bullshit that that raw dairy is illegal everywhere. Like now, like every state has its own laws of how you can get raw dairy. In my state, North Carolina, there's uh, the pet pet milk uh, law where you can sell raw dairy, but it has to say not for human consumption. Because it's for your, you know, your dog. It's dog, like, um, some states it's going to be, like, bath, like, Cleopatra's bath water, like a beauty product. Like, women want to, like, bathe in raw milk, but really they're drinking it, you know. It's, like, high quality, everything comes in, like, glass bottles. Like, I get this, like, sheet milk from the tailgate market here. That's uh, super nice glass bottles, expensive, you know, not for human consumption. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, Found in South Carolina, raw milk is legal, and you can just have it at the store. But raw butter isn't. In California, 
uh, butter and milk and all those type of products are legal. And, but in most of the states, in the, in regular stores, it's just cheese over 90 days that, that can be raw. The best raw cheese is Parmigiano Reggiano, uh, like just a fancy Parmesan from Italy, just like the real kind of Parmesan. It's expensive, but it's uh, stank. It's stank. Like, so speaking, I've spoken to like some extreme cyclists who are like pure keto and he got into like watts and energy output. And it seems like, and I think I've maybe said this twice, but for you, a lot of this seems to be just health related as far as limiting the inflammation, right? Dealing with, and I, I can't even fucking say it. The Ankylosing spondylitis. Thank you. I tried to write it down, dude, and I couldn't spell it. And then I'm like, I'm just going to stumble all over that fucking thing. So is it a performance thing? Do you, do you have goals of like, I want to continue to be, look this good, be shredded. And I want to continue to be like an extreme performer physically somehow, or you just want to be able to stand up and be pain-free and these extra benefits of looking this way are um, like nice side effects. Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, my, my natural personality has always been to be like, I don't want to phrase it like lazy, but like <laughs> a little on the mellow side. You know what I mean? Like I'm really good at sitting and chilling and like thinking about shit. And, you know, now that cell phones are out and looking at my cell phone or whatever, but you know, back in the day before there was cell phones, just like sitting and chilling, just like hanging out. And then that's why weed, I think, is especially maybe not excellent for me because that amplifies that a little bit. But um, Instagram, I was thinking about this. Today. Everyone's talking about how, uh, you know, social media is toxic and a negative place that we should get off of. And um, it definitely can be. And for some people it is. Um, I think women especially, maybe it's harder for them. Um, you've really got to approach it with the right mindset. Women can do that too, but. Um, I think if I'd gotten on Instagram when I was younger, before I was in this health uh, mindset that I'm in now, I think if I got out uh, still smoking weed and and um, not as intentional about what I'm trying to do with, with my life, not that I am intentional about an end goal exactly, I mean, I have a rough idea of an end goal as far as social media and everything, but um, just intentional about health being the thing I want to focus on. Um, yeah, wouldn't my social media experience probably would have been more, maybe not toxic, but just not as um, beneficial for my life. Uh, so I've, what I've been thinking about is how beneficial it has been, because instead of just uh, eating in my house, I'm gonna, you know, maybe, you know in, instead of going on two short walks a day and eating in my house. I'm going to, oh, well, I've, I'm hungry, but I got to make a post today. So I'm going to, you know, walk 20 minutes, like, you know, five minutes down to the park, 15 minutes down to the creek or whatever, um, and go do this post. And then I'm hanging out in the creek barefoot, absorbing the negative ions like we talked about, which I still sound sort of like 
am I full of it when I'm talking about that? Like, no, I'm not full of it. Like, <laughs> I've Googled it. It's legitimate. Like, it's a thing. And I feel good walking back. I feel better than when I walked there after hanging out in the creek for half an hour making content or an hour, however long it takes. Um, and then the dog's happy because he gets to run around the whole time. The dog is a real big part of my account, as you may have seen. Yeah. Um, dude, so I, try to feature, I try to feature him in uh, every post. Or not every post, but is that part of your algorithm hack? You figured out like cute animals. Really, he doesn't help me on my account. He has his own account. Uh, I mean, he maybe helps me a little on my account. Some people definitely follow me for you know or or like. But (laughs) if I try to do a post of just him on my account, it goes nowhere. Hmm. Uh, It's not. Yeah, it. uh, He's like just a little extra eye candy or something. (laughs) um but for the kids and then so that's all like you know that's almost an hour you know you know uh, 20 minutes there 20 minutes back an hour of walking around when i'm there and then before i go on camera i'm gonna do like 40 push-ups that's just what you do before you go (laughs) if you're a fitness influencer you drop and you do 40 push-ups before you like that's you know i think i think most people know that at this point maybe maybe not i don't know liver king was talking about that actually he's like oh, it's like people think liver king's on steroids but he just drops and does 40 push-ups before you're he, he didn't say a number but he's he, he just drops and does his push-ups before he goes on camera like yeah yeah dude that, that's that's why you look like you're on steroids because he did some push-ups um and then like other days, like if it's not going to be like an eating post I'm doing, if it's going to be some other type of post, I'm still going to work out before I go on or filming myself. So that's like a bunch of extra exercise that I might not have done otherwise because any little motivation I have to do that is going to um, help me do that. So, yeah, so uh, the workout stuff doesn't come natural to you, like the active does just maybe not nearly as frequently as like i uh, i don't have like a daily daily consistent workout i do normally if left to my own devices i'll do like a pretty good body weight workout like two or three times a week okay if i add in trying to make content like every day i'm doing like smaller mini micro workouts like boom 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 multiple okay. times a day yeah, almost like a high interval intensity training, right? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which, which I normally don't just sort of. I mean, some people, some people I'll hear in some podcasts I listen to is like, yeah, I have a pull up bar in between my office and my bathroom, and every time I walk by, I do. I think he said fifteen pull ups. To me, that sounds like a lot to do multiple. I don't know. Yeah, but you know, I, I I like that idea. Like, I wish I had a pull up, you know, bar between my bedroom and kitchen or whatever and if I want by I do five pull-ups like that that'd be awesome um I do have a pull-up bar that's down in the by the trails I go to that I use um but yeah I just don't think that that uh if you approach social media with the right mindset it has to be toxic at all I'm uh, you're always going to run into a little bit of it but you just have to not you have to put that out of your sphere and just focus on the like the whole the whole biohacking nutrition space is 
it gives pretty you positive a of, place in general. And it gives you a lot of um, shit to consider, think about, read, where if you want to, you can dive into some real critical thinking aspects of understanding how people conduct studies, how they come to conclusions. It, it's like you can really sharpen your mind if you want to understand a topic and not just take things at a 15-second real face value. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um well, let's see, we were just talking about the we were just talking about the raw milk and uh, another really popular like mainstream thing that is both main you know has starting to go mainstream sort of out of the space is like um, like nude sunbathing, like sunbathing <laughs> your genitals. Really? Um, I've never tried it. I had a girlfriend when up. she didn't have genitals. Oh shit! Sorry, that's going to be a weird, awkward internet fuck up. As soon as you uh, mentioned right, genitals, can... you froze up. <laughs> so, yeah, as soon as I said it, you froze. So what I said, and this is going to be the best one, it froze. You were like naked sunbathing with genitals. And I was like, oh, I had a girlfriend who did that. And I was like, but she didn't have genitals when she was 60. Like, but she like swore by just naked sun tanning on her deck because it had like this privacy fence and she loved it. I've never actually, now that I think about my life as a 41 year old, like I've never just laid completely naked and absorbed sun. Yeah. So, so the, the, that and the, the, the raw milk are like gateways into this world for like normies to <laughs> come and experience not just the raw meat eating, but it's all the other biohacking stuff like the red light and the, the negative ions and just all that stuff. Um, and then also like, like the, you know, anti, like, uh, they don't really call it the no fat movement anymore, but like sort of anti porn movement, um, that sort of like some like more right wing things like pro family type stuff. It's funny. Cause, um, this account carnivore Aurelius posted, it's like this big, I don't know. I, I like, I like carnivore Aurelius, but uh, they posted in their stories today that they just got mentioned by some big news article motherboard, uh, talking about how they're part of the, uh, alt right fitness world, the toxic alt right fitness world. Um, uh, can you hear me? No. Yeah. I was just okay. thinking like, Frozen. that's a thing. That's so funny. Like fucking exercise gets polarized politically. Yeah, right no. And, and, and it's like, there's been all these, I've seen other articles, um, of similar things where it'll be like the toxic gym bro culture or like, um, like Tucker Carl. Well, they're not, it, 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 they're not wrong that it is. A lot of these ideas now are more going towards like, like the, uh, the 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 right end of the spectrum, and that you know the left is more like the soy boy crowd. <laughs> like they just want to run and eat carbs all day. I don't know. But like Tucker Carlson just was talking about the importance of like sunning your nuts, which is hilarious, and that did come out of this this world. So I see why Motherboard is like upset because obviously Tucker Carlson is like you know their enemy or whatever, but, uh, what was the importance of sunning your nuts? Cause the internet fucked us up when you were talking about that. Like it oh, just adds um, to fertility, takes away from the cell phone by your nuts thing. Oh, just, uh, and you know, just feels uh, good. Well, <laughs> Toasted I nuts. don't know how much there's to it, but no, they say, you know, like, um, the accounts that talk about this a lot, 
there's I don't think there's science behind it necessarily. I think the science would say the opposite that it's dangerous to sun your nuts because of, of cancer. But um, uh, yeah, that it's just super, super good for you. Just uh, to give all like all over like power, you know. Like, uh, just, I mean, mostly it's memes, really. They <laughs> talk about, to be honest, like, like uh, you know, but. It does make it does make sense, you know. You don't want to overdo it, obviously. You don't want to get sunburned down there, but um, I can't imagine like fucking skin peeling off of my nuts, <clears throat> like um, the way like it, whatever. If I yeah, I've never had sunscreen. any. I've never had any issues, and uh, just you know, I don't overdo it. Just a little bit at a time. If you've never done it before, you know, like <laughs> two minutes, you know, two two minutes. <laughs> that, um, <laughs> Actually, probably is the palest part of my body. <laughs> and you need a you need a place and everything, but um, yeah, that's definitely part of the whole biohacker. Do how do biohacker you feel, space? How do you feel about sunscreen? Oh, I have I have thoughts on that. It's uh, it's no good. Yeah, completely anti. Completely. Um, so. Yeah, like I just listen to, I like to listen to all sorts of different podcasts. I just listened to one, um, I think it was Conspirituality, where they sort of started during the Trump era and they sort of take topics that are, I mean, they don't interview these people, they just talk shit about them, basically. Um, <laughs> they talk shit about like yoga type people who are on the right, you know, who are like right wingers who like maybe used to be hardcore be liberals but are now still into yoga and spirituality but they're now like maga or something um like that's that's their go-to topic but this one was just a lady um who was just a sunscreen advocate and she was just like i think sunscreen is great it doesn't matter what kind you get you just need to wear your sunscreen blah 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 and that was like most the podcast of her talking like about that and that's just such bullshit like especially the chemical ones are proven to cause cancer. Like cancer rates have skin cancer rates have absolutely spiked since we started wearing suntan lotion as a culture. Now, like maybe that's because people put on the suntan lotion and then went out in the sun. I mean, that's what they would say is, I don't know. Maybe that's the mainstream argument against it is that people went out in the sun more when they could have sunscreen. It's really just the sun causing the cancer, but that is, I don't, that's well, then like it would sun, be an like ineffective product, right? So if sunscreen you causes skin cancer, I mean, that that is, uh, and they're trying to hide it, of course, but like Banana Boat just got taken off the market because it was causing cancer. Um, Hawaii has banned a few different types of sunscreen because they're killing the coral reefs. That they was some shit. Oh, fuck. Uh oh. Yeah, I know, right? I can the hear internet. You. Um, get, dude, I'm telling you, you get deep into these conspiracies, man, and the fucking, the computers are listening, the internet's listening. Um, so I went to... I mean, the Hawaii thing is not a conspiracy. The, the, the coral reefs are dying because of skin cancer washing off people's bodies. Yeah, dude, I went to, I might have been Tulum or Ishkaret, something, whatever, fucking 10 years ago. And I was amazed that they were like, you have to buy our natural sunscreen to swim here because they wouldn't allow 
whatever commercial sunscreen because it was fucking up their ecosystem. And it was the first time I seriously started thinking, well, if it's not good enough to go into water and if it's going to fuck up an ecosystem, how is that yeah. good for me to put it on my body? Yeah, those, those, those chemical sunscreens definitely cause cancer. And then there's the, what are they, the zinc sunscreens? That people say are like safe. Like that's what my dad uses. Yeah, you put it on your nose. The old school lifeguard. Let's get super um, white. Block it out. And like, um, I can't remember at the moment exactly what the argument is against those, except that it is not good. It's like blocking the, it's like blocking the one type of the light wavelength but it's still letting the other one through and that's not good to only let the one through uh oh can you hear me yeah no you were fine oh all right you're look frozen um <laughs> i was and, just listening it's my listening face oh wow you're not frozen okay um <laughs> so uh the thing to do is to cover up is to wear clothes wear a hat um uh, just go sit in the shade instead of wear sunscreen. Uh, yeah, but dude, so I'm a beach guy, man. Like I gotta, I gotta go get in the fucking ocean. I wanna, I wanna. Yeah, die. it's hard. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta limit your time, and you gotta go early and late in the day when you're not gonna burn. Yeah, right. Skip the ten to two. That's the, that's the prime time. Um, yeah. So then I listened to this other podcast after that, on like you know one of my biohacker podcasts, and. uh this lady was like 10 to 2. That's the time you want to be out there. <laughs> She's like, that's the best time to be out there because the, what is it? The UV, the UVA is early and late. And the UVB is 10 to 2. I guess, yeah, I think that's correct. Um, and she was saying it's actually the UVA that is going to cause cancer. It's the UVB from 10 to 2 that is going to burn you if you're not careful and you don't want that. But it's worse to get like burnt from you. So like being out at like 4 o'clock or 5 o'clock, you manage to get burnt around then. She was saying that's like way, way worse, like for possibly causing cancer. But um that's interesting because the early morning and the, you know, sunset as it's setting, like that's also UVA, but that's like super healing and it's not going to burn you because it's so low to the horizon, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I had my, my face got pretty well burnt. Um, when I was 13, I had a fucking uh, propane lantern explode <laughs> in my face and, oh God. Uh, yeah, it, I, I was amazed that I didn't have any scarring, like thinking back. But the one thing I remember, the doctor was like, it happened right before summer break. So now I'm a kid, I'm whatever, 13, running around. And all you want to do is go outside all the time. And when do you wake up normally as like a 13, 14 year old boy, probably around like nine, 10 o'clock. And he was like, you cannot go out 10 to two or your face mm -hmm. will be deformed. Like you will wow. harden all these scars because the sun is just so intense. And it, like, it really does make sense because it's the highest point. And I guess that's the closest, even though it's the highest. But it like, I don't know, ever since then, that just stuck with me, that range of 10 to 2 where the sun is just out to fucking get you and kill you. I mean, that is, the, if, if you want to tan, 
that's the time to do it. 10 to two, just like what I, I, I just do 15 minutes per side whenever I can um, between 10 to two. Like that's, that's the time to do it. Gotcha. I used to do longer than that, but I feel like even though it wasn't necessarily burning me, just maybe not, uh, maybe not great. 15 minutes per side is my sweet spot. If I'm actually suntan, if I'm walking around in the sun, it's less because then the sun's coming straight down at you and it's not hitting your whole body like that. But as far as actually tanning, laying down 15 minutes per side, is what I. Do you feel that diet like. would help you against any sort of skin cancer? Oh, I totally left that part out. Um, just not eating seed oils, uh, according to all my sources, you know, on Instagram, <laughs> um, will. <laughs> Doctor just not eating seed oils will completely help your like ability to get sunburnt and probably lower your says you know lower your your skin cancer risk. Um, it's those oxidized, crappy, toxic seed you know seed oils. Um, like that's yeah, uh, that's the, the thing that I stressed. Normie people, whenever having diet conversations with them it's just like cut out the seed oils and they're like oh i don't eat any seed oils i'm like i'm not talking about like cooking with seed oils at home like canola oil for cooking like don't do that but that's not what most people like that's in all restaurant food it's in all junk food you buy at the store that's where you're getting it like chips it's in all your chips like maybe there's one bag of chips in the entire chip aisle maybe there's one bag of chips that's made with like coconut oil or olive oil, but probably not. Probably it's all seed oils. So like it's yeah, I'm unfamiliar actually. So I, I'm a normie seed oil, high fructose corn syrup. That's not a seed, right? That's just terrible. So high, high fructose corn syrup is something else that's yeah. to be avoided, but that's, so this is good that, um, I wasn't sure if you were aware of these yet or not. So, um, the, there's like a bunch of them, but the, Main ones are like three C's and three S's. So that's corn, canola, cottonseed, soy, sunflower, and safflower. Hmm. And then there's um, oh, a couple other really popular ones that I have a harder time remembering because they're not a C or S. But the soy, <laughs> sunflower, safflower, corn, canola, and cottonseed. If you like, those are a lot of the main ones. There's also like rapeseed oil. Um, Peanut oil, one, peanut might be one of them. Peanut's not good anyway, even if it's not one of the classic. So they're also, the, the seed oils are also known as poofas. If you see somebody talking shit about poofas on Instagram, okay. um, poly, P-U-F-A, uh, polyunsaturated fatty acids, that's what they're talking about. They're talking about seed oils. They're also known as vegetable oils. It's all the same thing. Um, like vegetable oil. If you see like that, it's that's what I'm talking about. That's just a combination of like canola and corn and soy or something like vegetable oil, uh, margarine, shortening, vegetable shortening. Mm. All that stuff is just these super toxic, highly processed, rancid seed oils. They're bad for you because of the toxic parts from being super rancid. And then they're bad for you because of the polyunsaturated uh, omega-3 part. So there's like the omega-3 and the omega-6. 
Yeah, because you say um, omega three, I thought like people buy that as a supplement. I still get the two confused. It's the omega six that these oils are. Thank oh, okay. you. Okay. Um, I wasn't sure if there was an aspect of omega three that I was like unaware. Well, of, you know, according to my alternative alternative type health sources, you don't <laughs> want to actually be supplementing omega three, but. Okay. Um. Yeah, the thank you for yeah, I always I always get the omega three and the omega six mixed up. Um that's what these oils are. And so like uh, you know, primal is like my my the first hashtag I really got into like meat heels and hashtag primal, you know, and like the primal man or you know, caveman or whatever had like a ratio of I forgot, I forgot what it was, 100 to 1 or something, omega-3 to omega-6, like huh. very low omega-6. Um, and omega-6 is found in these seeds? In these seed oils. They're like pure, huh. almost pure omega-6. So there are these toxic omega-6 fatty acids and um, uh, yeah, it's funny, I had never heard of omega-6, and I just Google omega-6 oils, and the third thing that comes up is omega-6 oils and inflammation, which is kind of interesting to me. Yeah, I was just, uh, I just Googled it to make sure I had it right. So there's actually like flaxseed oil supplement that's pure like flaxseed oil, which is like... Walnuts? I f uh, um, yeah, all, all these nuts are omega-6. So, like, if you just eat some nuts, that's not the same as, like, getting the oil from them, you know? And, like, a lot of these nuts are going to also have omega-3 in them, I think. Um, so it gets even more interesting on this on this topic because um, the good argument for, like, Carnivore MD, why he doesn't eat any pork, he just sticks to ruminant meat, is because... It's basically impossible to find pork or chicken. He doesn't eat chicken either. Um, it's impossible to find pork or chicken that has not been fed corn and soy. Mm. There are some places that will do it, but they're very few and far between. It's just, um, especially like some some places might do soy free, but then they're gonna do extra corn and like other questionable grains. Um, and these fatty acids build up in the animal meat, so then the animal meat is actually just as high in these PUFAs, these PUFA oils, as the actual oils are. Like, um, and then having these oils, you know, having consuming seed oils or these fats are gonna, you know, change the ratio. Like you want like a good ratio, like, um, Anyway, don't, you know, you just want to really have as few <laughs> poofas as possible because like I had just recently went to the doctor for the first time in a while and finally had high cholesterol, which I've been wanting. Really? <laughs> because it's, yeah. Um, the whole cholesterol thing is just another one of these like things you got to wrap your head around, but um, it's not actually in and of itself at all what causes Heart attacks, right? All heart heart disease, yeah. yeah. Um, and Carnivore MD 
talks about this in a very scientific way, breaks it down in his podcast, Fundamental Health Podcast. Um, super sciencey. So all these papers, all these, you know, very, very good science guy. Um, but then adding in these PUFAs could lead to some bad things, you know. So with the high cholesterol plus the PUFAs, um, it's not, you know, necessarily a good thing at all. Well, PUFAs on their own would never be, but especially <laughs> with the high cholesterol. Um, but like statins, absolutely overprescribed. Like if they're by far one of the most overprescribed drugs. I mean, all, I think most drugs are overprescribed, you know, but especially these statins that people get for lowering their, so, um, why, I'm sorry to cut you off, but why did you want high cholesterol? What's the benefit? Oh, um, yeah, for uh, it's necessary for testosterone production, and it's uh, um, I don't know. All the cool carnivores have it. No, um, <laughs> just want to uh, be part of the club. <laughs> no, it's 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 good for hormone production and other reasons that I can't think of at the moment, but. Um, I always just thought it's, of cholesterol uh, as like grease. I, I always thought of it like grease in my pipes and I want to yeah, keep so my that's pipes what they, that's, free. That's, that's the way they try to make you think about it. But it's, uh, is that atherosclerosis? He uses all these fancy words. Um, that might be atherosclerosis, the grease in the pipes, but that's not, that's corn. He, yeah, he, he gets carnivore MD. He's had high cholesterol for a long time. Um, and he gets coronary artery scans and he's all good. So that's not what's going on. Um, the other thing it's the, um, the count, uh, the count, um, there's, you get the, there's some other cholesterol test you can get that measures particle size that's what it is and you want to have a uh is it small or big anyway they'll measure your particle size <laughs> and that's like the heart disease risk it's not cholesterol hmm. it's your cholesterol particle size that i think hmm. the i think big is bad i think you want to have a small cholesterol particle size maybe big would um, make sense because it would get clogged yeah that would be real simple um, and then I think that clogging could lead to, uh, you know, a negative looking coronary artery scan. Um, but you don't get your particle size to be off if you're not eating these seed oils. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, dude, dude, fucking the chips. Like if I go to a Mexican restaurant, how am I not going to eat chips and salsa? Right. I mean, it's I Jesus, mean, man. How do I go to the beach and not have Doritos I'm good with, and then not it's not just the chips. It. It's not just the chips at the Mexican restaurant. They're 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 going to be adding in like canola oil to the food. They're going to be cooking with it. Um, like I just saw some reel from it was just some. It wasn't hummus, but it was, uh, and it was from some Middle Eastern country making like a huge batch of like some delicious looking dish, you know. And, um, yeah, I think it was green. And then at the end, he just takes like a gallon because it, it was a huge, it was just like a whole 
he could swim in it on like this huge amount of it. You know, he takes a whole gallon of an unidentified oil, which was probably corn, canola, cottonseed, one of those. Well, probably not cottonseed, but uh, probably canola, and just dumps the whole gallon in there. And uh, like the processing of these oils is just not something that we were able to do up until the industrial revolution, you know, it, like if you look at the facilities that do this or watch the videos, they're, they're like machine lubricant oils there. <laughs> That's what it um, always reminded me of. <laughs> like it never, like it was shit you wanted to put in your car. It wasn't shit. You and wanted, they like, they can be used. I mean, with. that's a lot of the meme for it, but like <laughs> they, and like vegetable, like biodiesel, you know, the, you know about biodiesel at all? Yeah, well, that was the big thing, the corn fuel, ethanol kind of stuff, right? So ethanol, yeah, ethanol comes from corn. But, um, oh, yeah, so the veggie oil, yeah, not the biodiesel, the, the veggie oil, but yeah, ethanol too, because ethanol comes from corn. Biodiesel comes from corn. Um, and then you can get the veggie oil conversion. I don't know, buddy, back in the day, I was always talking about the veggie oil conversions where people will go and they'll get the grease from the grease traps behind restaurants and run their cars off of it. And like, people were just eating that. Like, that's what their food was cooked in, you know? And now you're combusting it. In and now to... they're literally running their car off of it. It's uh, to propel it's an industrial car. lubricant seed or uh, industrial, yeah, oil. It's, uh, and that's, that's what, yeah, that's, that's what the new world order wants us eating. <laughs> new world order. Dude, um, Jeff, I've been very curious about this, man, and we can make this kind of the last topic of conversation because hopefully it's a fun one. I know on the profile you talk about being single and you've mentioned testosterone a lot. And I want to say even on your Instagram, you have like how the stories get lined up on top. I think something on there was like Miss Wright or Miss something. Am I misspeaking at the moment? Uh, no, I, uh, I'll do stories of all like kind of, uh, carnivore Aurelius is always posting really good stories about just memes about, you know, trying to find your primal life and setting up a homestead together or whatever. Got you. Uh, yeah. So I'm yeah. Very, very curious about just like you looking for or wanting to find like a partner and I don't know, like filtering through, <laughs> finding someone that's going to embrace, that's not going to be toxic. I'm just super curious about that. Uh, yeah. I mean, Instagram has been, has been good for meeting potential new wife goals. That's new, what it was. I'm uh, sorry. I had to look up at your Instagram. It was wife goals. I was like, wife goals. Oh yeah. Yeah. I have a highlight, a wife goals that's highlight. What, yeah. saved, saved reels highlight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Wife goals. Um, yeah, and I've, I've met some really good potential, you know, partners. They're just located all around the world or whatever, but are all around, you know, country or other countries. Like, a few have been in, in Canada, and they've been, like, it was back during, like, the COVID lockdown. They're, like, stuck there and couldn't get out, you know, because they're in facts. I don't know, it's just hard to meet people um, these days. Uh, and Do you feel like... I don't, I, don't, I don't, like, drink... So hard to like get out and I don't know. So my thing, I'd be like, dude, if I had this shredded ab and I'm out in the forest with this and I'm going all primal, 
all they want me for is my body. They just want me to breed in my body. They don't really love me as an individual. Does that fuck with your mind as an overthinker at all? Or no, is that like a starting point? All the point? ones that I've connected with at all, um, they have been super excited about the stuff I'm into. Got you. Um, uh, yeah, for sure. They're like, maybe not raw meat. I mean, a few have actually been raw meat eaters. Um, and others are just like, have been like biohackers. I haven't actually like met up with any of them. You know, I'm trying to be like real selective and really take my time and, and find a good, good life partner. Um, and I've been on the dating apps for like, uh, over a year before I got on Instagram <laughs> after I broke up with my last, uh, last girlfriend and the dating apps just were pretty lame. And I mean, my city is, you know, it's a small city and um, it'd be fine if I was just trying to get laid or something, but I was really, you know, approaching it intentionally, not just trying to get laid, really trying to find something real. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, with somebody who had some values that, you know, or similar. And that was just kind of hard. And so Instagram has been like a dating app for me in a lot of ways. Um, uh, there's a few big pages. Again, I'll mention that carnivore Aurelius page, like mostly women, I feel like are the followers there. So whenever I comment there about like how I, you know, run around the woods with my dog eating, raw meat and organs. Um, I'll usually get a few new followers for sure. And uh, they're usually ladies. Like when I do the same thing on Liver King's page, it's all dudes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've met some uh, good prospects so far. Yeah. I, do you, how do you vet Maybe that's the wrong word because it's like a relationship, right? But how is a couple messages and a FaceTime? Like, how do you not feel like you're getting fished or schemed? It's really obvious when they have, because, um, you know, they'll have accounts with histories that go back a long ways. Um, so I can look over there. Like, no, no one's come, you know, tried to, uh, talk to me who's like got their pride or you know um, like no posts or anything oh. <laughs> um, yeah that's a giveaway so yeah, yeah I mean it would you know it'd probably start out not just uh, like hey I think you're hot you want to get married I mean maybe a few ladies have tried that but more <laughs> like um, more like hey you know, just commenting something on one of my reels and then we just end up natural flow of conversation or, uh, yeah, we just, there, or, or they'll be like, Hey, I also, um, eat raw liver, you know? Um, do you have a kid goal? I'm curious. Do you want a bunch of little like yous that you can run around the forest with? 
have them climb I trees. used to, uh, when I was real young, I like didn't want kids, or, you know, not, not really young, when I was a, a young adult, I, um, I was also, uh, yeah, the older I get, the more I'm definitely open to that. I'm trying not to like, make, that um, make it like a, a hard goal, but um, I'm definitely like, like if that's, if that's what ends up happening, like that's awesome. Um, it's definitely like the trend of like what, uh, that's the meme anyway, of, 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 of similar values with these, you know, this, this corner of Instagram I'm in, that's the, that's the goal is to go, everyone should go get married and have kids. Oh, is that the meme? Yeah. Yeah. That's the. That's the carnivore Aurelius meme, especially, or, you know, a bunch of pages, but that's, um, like she's a 10, but she only wants two kids. <laughs> and the point is to just like populate the world with all these carnivores to take over and eat the vegans. Um, yeah, I mean, it's to, uh, just sort of counteract the. It's, or it's just been like the natural, I think it's just the natural counter reaction to the woke agenda of like, you know, everybody go wins. get vaccinated to save the planet. Yeah. Yeah. That was interesting too. On the IG, you had the anti-vaxxed. It's funny how like, it, I feel if you say virtual signaling that goes to the woke agenda kind of a thing. Like if you have pronouns and stuff like that, it's like, okay, mm -hmm. well, I associate you this way. But on your Instagram, it seemed like there were some very staunch positions that you're putting out there. That's why I yeah, thought of like the relationship I, thing. I, was like, I, have, oh. I have a staunch position on that for sure. Um, been really nuts to see the whole thing unfold. And yeah, at first I wouldn't have a staunch position on it. I was just like anti it, but I didn't really care. And then... And then my uh, lady friend I was with at the time got vaxxed. Even she, like I was telling her about it before she did it. I was telling her all the all the stuff I was hearing on my podcast, like Dark Horse podcasts, especially on all sorts of them. But they broke down real scientifically, like like some. And maybe they were maybe they were wrong. Who knows? But they broke down some stuff. I was trying to tell her about it. She's got. I want to hear it. I'm a teacher. I'm going to go get vaxxed. I'm like, okay. Yeah, that's what got me, man. Um, and like, I mean, I was listening to some wacky podcast where people were like, oh, get ready for the mass die off, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and, uh, I, I feel like, I mean, even at the time I was like, well, that's kind of extreme. And then obviously it didn't happen. Yes. Um, but just like just kidding. NPR and I grew up with NPR like a security blanket. My parents used to listen to them. I'm like, even when I hear them now, like I just hear their tone of voice and I'm like, Oh, it's kind of soothing. And then I hear what they're saying. I just get triggered, <laughs> triggered as fuck. It's just like every time this or that different things they say, just always trigger me. The other day they were talking about, Oh, well, it's just come out that the vaccines do actually change women's menstrual cycles, but only by an average of one day. And it's really not a big deal. It's like, well, from everything I've been hearing since like this first started enrolling, it's not, again, not for every lady, but for some ladies it does affect them. And it's like, 
much more than a day. And then it's also not just like their cycles are totally off. And uh, then it's, it's not just uh, people who get vaxxed, it's the shedding. And that's, I think that's what happened to me. I mean, I can't know for sure, but like I got the weirdest uh, sickness. I, I don't know what to call it. I got, um, I'd never been anxious at all. I got super anxiety and then I got insomnia and I'd never had insomnia. After and getting vaccinated or? I never got vax, but my girlfriend did. And a little while after, I got this super fucking weird. And I've never heard of any of these symptoms. But those were my symptoms. I got, I, I felt, felt like, you know, uh, an sense of impending doom of like anxiety. And I couldn't fucking sleep for like six weeks. I would sleep like an hour some nights. I had like a few nights of zero sleep. I would lay there. And just try it. Like, I, I'm sure I'll fall asleep soon. I'm not even thinking about anything. I'm just going to fall asleep. No, no sleep. Because um, your girl I, was vaxxed and you were worried like somehow. I, I, I was... can't know that's what it was. But like nothing else was different in my life. I didn't do anything differently. Dude, like so like in my head, I'm picturing almost like radiation poisoning. Like you're feeling something know. like emanating. Is that... I was just, I would take a lot of saunas. Um, or not a lot, but I would regularly do my sauna a day <laughs> and trying to detox, whatever. I mean, maybe it was something else. It could, I'm, I'm not trying to say that's absolutely what it was. I have no, no proof, <laughs> but, um, you're just trying to have people not knock down your door. <laughs> uh, after a while, uh, the symptoms just gradually went away and I could sleep again. And like, I thought I had sleep apnea. I would like, like, I think my throat dimensions changed and went back to normal eventually. Cause I was sure I was going to have to have like a CPAP machine. I would like, if I did drift off, I'd like snore and wake myself up. Shit. It was the weirdest fucking thing. <laughs> um, you don't think, and... could it have been just your mind? So I wasn't like a worried about it. Effect. Like I hadn't heard about the shedding. Yeah. Or like if I, like it wasn't, I've I mean, never it could have, yes, I could like psychosomatic. Sure. Like, yeah, that's a powerful thing. I believe, you know, like the placebo effect is super powerful, but like, I'm good. My mind is going to be so powerful. It makes like, after I drift off, I wake myself up snoring. Like that's intense. I don't know. That's when the mind and, is and I wasn't, powerful. I wasn't, like at that point, I, I I was just worried about, you know, is there going to be side effects from getting backs? Like I wasn't really thinking about the shedding issue. So, yeah, I've not heard of shedding before here, dude. You have really brought a lot of terminology to me today. That's so awesome. I I take all these things for granted. All these things that I have been submersing myself in in the past yeah handful right. of years. So then shedding, the, the term shedding is literally just being next to someone who's vaxxed and getting some sort it's, of... It's exosome shedding, or um, there's another word for it too. It's, uh, yeah, so these, yeah, exosomes. But let's see, what to... So 
there's obviously a bunch of conspiracy theories I mean about this um but some of it is back like there is research like fauci has done research into into viruses communicable vaccines vaccines mm -hmm. that spread from person to person like a virus would spread but instead it's a vaccine I never thought about that, but that really, like, if COVID it make spreads, sense? yeah, if COVID is airborne, why can't a vaccine yeah, be airborne? And then you would think the side effects of that, if they were, if the if the vaccine gets spread, whatever those side effects would be, would also get attached, be attached. Um, yeah, so that makes a lot of sense to me, and like... That's interesting. Yeah, to me, like I, like, I try not to be triggered by things, but we all get triggered by things. I don't know. And Fauci and Gates, Dr. Fauci and Dr. Gates, <laughs> call him Dr. Gates because, you know, he thinks he's a doctor. <laughs> he but, is an uh, expert. <laughs> yeah, 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 Dr. Fauci and Bill Gates, man, they, they're like, and I know there's a whole other lens to look at them where they're, literal superheroes but you know the, the the lens that makes sense to me is they're literal supervillains. like bill gates is buying up all the farmland to turn it into crazy gmo corn experiments which gmo so many problems with it obviously and like the most obvious one is it requires more pesticides and then he's like trying to you know um what was there's a thing where he's literally trying to block out the sun. He's, it's like that episode. Yes. <laughs> I'm not. Heard I mean, that. people will talk about chemtrails and how they're a conspiracy. And then it's like, no, look up and there's a grid in the sky. And then it hazes out. Uh, Stop, chem... dude. Bill Gates. Oh, you're not. Uh, I, I forget. Not everybody knows about chemtrails. Oh, man. Chemtrails. K-E-M. Uh, C-H-E-M. Chemtrails chemical trails God, okay yeah that makes more sense so what the mainstream will call them is contrails they'll say those are contrails those are nothing nefarious and what the conspiracy theories will say is not only are they trying to geoengineer the weather which seems pretty obvious that that's what they're doing and they've been doing it for a long time but also that that stuff is super toxic full of lead and all these other chemicals i can't think of at the moment so that shit drip drifts down and we breathe it in so it's the and white lines that the airplanes leave behind yeah yeah dude i had no idea that that's a fucking theory about chemicals coming down so i'll read this book on hiroshima and when the atomic bomb was exploded the people in hiroshima thought that and I forget what it was, if it was phosphorate, but they basically thought that like the day before they had sprinkled like gasoline in a vapor and then they dropped a bomb and the gasoline ignited and that's what burnt everything down. And that was their thought until they found out about the atomic bomb. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. That's but, actually interesting because I just heard a good conspiracy theory for the first time that the atomic bombs are all made up in fake news just to scare everybody so that actually as, i love that thing you just said as in that they weren't actually atomic or that they didn't actually have like you didn't actually drop an atomic bomb on hiroshima that it was some that, other type that we of don't bomb. yeah that atomic bombs 
that it would be instead of atomic bomb, it would be what you're saying. Okay. Yeah, dude, that's, that was what they, according, and the book was written in 1945. It's called Hiroshima. It's really interesting. It's about six people. This author went over there and found six survivors and then chronicled their day of their day during the that's survival of, and then like checks back in with them. But that's what the, apparently the Japanese thought had happened. They because, thought it was white phosphorus they put down. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And it was like, that yeah, makes... then they exploded everything because they were like, we've never seen this fire before. That makes, that makes sense. But it sounds just like this chemtrail conspiracy. Cause apparently like every day there would be these like weather planes that would fly over and that was part of like this impending doom was they just kept having planes fly over, but nothing would and happen. And so the, the, um, like the people doing the, the, cause like, I don't, I mean, the, I, I don't know about the, the poison part of the chemtrails, like how much of that is on purpose and how much of that is a side effect of the, just the nature of the chemtrails. Like, I don't know how much of the poison aspect is nefarious and how much is just they really want to geoengineer the weather. In their minds, they're maybe, maybe, maybe they're doing it for satanic, demonic reasons, or maybe they're doing it for altruistic reasons to save the world from what they think is going to happen to it, you know, man-made climate change or whatever. And they're going to block out the sun to send the rays back out into space and not heat up the earth as much. Um that's the, and that's literally the plot of a Simpsons episode where Mr. Burns, you know, <laughs> tried Puts to block up out the, the sun. sun. <laughs> yeah. So, so I'll get back to Bill Gates. So Bill Gates is yeah. buying up all the, the cropland in the, in the country. He's the biggest, you know, owner of farmland now, um, to do weird genetic experiments on it. He's blocking out the sun. He's funding all these weird vaccine stuff, you know, he's done nefarious stuff in Africa before because he's really worried about Africa because their population is going to get out of hand. He's killed a bunch of Africans with vaccines um, in the past. Um, and he's ever like, everyone thinks he's so great because he's an altruist and he's doing it with his Bill Gates foundation, which has, made more money than like, it's not a altruistic endeavor. He's profiting. He's his Bill Gates foundation is like a money making machine. It just has these ways of like sucking in money from other people. Yeah. It's, and then they get the tax loopholes and all that. Anyway, him and Fauci super trigger me. And these are holes. Like these are rabbit holes and podcasts that you listen to. Like, will you welcome into your life or these are people who send you shit to make you read and watch videos? Uh, those two rabbit holes, um, I don't necessarily seek them out. But if a podcast comes up in my feed with one on it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I listen to that one. Like that's, <laughs> so and then, like I it. mean, even though you say it triggers you, you kind of like it. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's not like a hardcore trigger. It's just like, it's not like I'm like raging about it all day or anything. I have it under control. It's just, uh, 
And I use the word trigger pretty loosely. I say that to my plant-based roommate pretty frequently. I'll say that things trigger him and then he gets all upset. I think he gets triggered by me saying that he gets triggered. Trigger. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say you get triggered. You just, you just don't like it. <laughs> um, I use the term pretty loosely. Whenever anybody doesn't like something, I say they are, they're triggered. Yeah, you're being triggered. That's so funny. Actually, come to think about it, I'm like, I, I do that with students sometimes. I'm like, if me asking you to sit, relax, and read a book of your choosing triggers you, feel free to leave and go see a counselor. It is a reading class. I apologize for triggering you. How dare you make me read? Yeah, oh, I, I like it. I, it's funny because it's like reclaiming that. It goes almost to that like wokeness training of triggering where like the opposite side seems to like be taking it back a little bit. Dude, uh, I, I made uh, steak and chicken fajitas tonight and I knew we were going to talk. And I was like, I'm slicing the steak and it looks really, really clean. It's grass fed. I think it was six ounces and it cost $12. And I, I so wanted to just nibble on it. And I so wanted to nibble on the chicken breast knowing that I was like just the raw chicken breast. And I mm -hmm. couldn't bring myself to do it because of all those like cross contamination, salmonella. And I'm like, what if I puke? Am, am I really going to spend the weekend on a toilet with some sort of like diarrhea, disinfectant gut issue? You know, like I it's couldn't so clear the took, hurdle. It took me a while to get the, the raw chicken just in my, in my head to where I'd be okay doing it. But now it's like not even um, so, something that really – you know, made it a little easier for me was just researching a little about how we all do have salmonella for the most part. All of us have salmonella in us naturally. It's a healthy thing to have is, you know, or maybe that's a little debatable whether it's, it's healthy, but it's like something we all have that it's kept under control because we're healthy. And it's just in certain situations, it gets out of control, but yeah, it's just an interesting thing to try to wrap your head around. Because yeah, the sushi thing is so, I don't know if it's hipster anymore or whatever it is, but it's like the expensive upper class that's always kind of been fine. And I remember, I want to say like 90s, it was like, ew, raw fish. But dude, I'll go to happy hour and I'm, I'm craving raw fish. Throw some salmon with an avocado on some rice and I'm, I'm eating fucking 24 of those things. Not even thinking about I'm eating a raw meat. But and for some like, reason, I can't like cross that over to steak, even though like I've served dishes. What's the um, um, raw steak where they pound it really thin? It's not. It's, oh, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Um, I want to say gar, garspaccio, garspaccio, but that's the cold soup. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like that is another one. Like prosciutto, I thought was raw. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's smoked. Those, those uh, cured meat, I think those are cured meats. Yeah. So they, they, they're raw, they do stuff to them. So they're not technically part of this like raw primal diet thing that I'm experimenting with. Um, gotcha. Yeah, what uh, is that fucking raw meat called? But anyway, like that's another thing where I, I worked in fine dining and it was like people would pay $15 to have that and some capers come out and then they'd roll it up and nobody ever got sick. Nobody ever complained. Well, of course there's beef tartar, you know, beef tartar, right? right? Which is super fancy. And just, I mean, I guess some of that has like lemon juice on it, which supposedly, you know, supposedly maybe makes it a little safer, quote unquote. Uh, yeah. But yeah, like sashimi can be 
you know, chunks of beef, chicken or fish. And it's like, really, what's the difference between the three things? Um, I don't think I asked you, did you scale up? Did it start like one bite one day, then the next day, two bites, then the next day, three bites. And then a month later, you're eating an entire rotisserie chicken? For me, it chicken? started with, with raw liver. Um, Those organs. Yeah, it started with the liver thing, which is an interesting way to, and that's how a lot of people start because that's just super highly recommended in, in more of this health circle. It's like getting more a little mainstream, the raw, not mainstream yet, but more more well-known, the raw liver thing. So a lot of people start with that and it's got a really strong taste compared to just raw beef, which is a very blank taste, raw chicken, very blank taste. Um, doesn't taste bad or good or anything. It just tastes blank, but raw liver, I mean, liver in general, cooked or raw, has a very strong taste gotta definitely get used to i could not just take a bite of it and chew it i had to take a tiny piece and swallow it like a pill kind of and that's what i recommend to people to get started if you anybody wants to get um, this isn't a recommendation don't sue me or anything but uh, <laughs> uh I, I hear that it's a good way to get started with eating raw, <laughs> raw liver is to um, cut it into tiny chunks and swallow them like pills and if that's still too much for you freeze those chunks and then swallow them like pills um, take out a few pieces every day or however, every few days and just take them like pills and it's frozen so you don't taste it at all. It doesn't have any texture to it. And then you can slowly work up to actually being able to eat it because now I can just eat liver and it's still got a strong taste to it, but I don't, I don't want to gag or anything like that yeah. uh, like I did when I was first messing around with it. Yeah. So then would you do that to mitigate like negative effects of eating raw beef or are you just doing that straight for – like sipping whiskey in order to then have whiskey? Uh, the liver in general? Yeah. Uh, the liver, so uh, the reason that's taking off in popularity in my sort of health circles I'm in is more than just raw meat eating. For most people, that's not the goal when they start eating raw liver. Um, the goal is just to eat the raw liver because of all the nutrients that get destroyed yeah. when it gets cooked. It's just the most nutrient-dense food. It's like raw liver, egg yolks, like fish eggs, uh, like salmon roe, you know. Um, those are like some of the just most nutrient-dense foods, but liver is usually put at the top of the list as far as um, like for people trying to – there's just a lot of stories of like um, – maybe people who are plant-based ladies who are plant-based and they're maybe in their late forties and they thought that they, you know, weren't capable of having kids anymore and they start eating like this and they get their fertility back. Like, no you know, a lot of the time in a shocking way, like, Oh shit, I didn't think I could get pregnant. Now I'm pregnant or something like that. <laughs> you know? I've heard a lot of stories about, about that sort of thing happening. Um, just people get those nutrients that they just hadn't been getting especially if they were doing, a, you know, a, um, different types of plant-based diets. Dude, I imagine if someone ate my liver, they would immediately be drunk and then die from all the toxins in it, which is why it's yeah. so shocking to me that the liver is good because isn't that basically like our kidney as well? Like no one would want to eat a kidney, right? Because those are cleansers. Oh, no, those are filters. That was my profile pic for a long time. It's still, if you scroll back a little way on my feet, I'm eating a kidney in one picture. I'm pinching it between two fig fingers. And, um, How is that good for you? If that's uh, the thing that I, takes So you out. want to source it from, from good animals. Um, 
beef, you know, good, just grass fed beef. I don't like to do, you know, grain finished. I like to do grass finished beef for, especially for my organs. Um, uh, but the liver does not, so very common. I get comments from, you know, plant-based people on my page a lot. They go, Oh my God, that's just full of toxins and blah, blah, blah. And the liver does not store toxins. It, it's a misconcept because it does filter them out, but it does not store them. Um, it sends them on their way to be, you know, pissed um, out. Right. So like, yeah, then it makes sense. Cause doesn't it like filter it to the defecation? You piss yeah, and you exactly. shit the toxins. Exactly. And or so you... like, yeah, for an animal that's sick or, you know, an alcoholic human or an animal that's been shoved full of grains for the last four months of its life nonstop. And it's got fatty liver. You know, I mean, I know a lot of people who probably don't really care too much and they about grass fed or not, and they probably still eat that. And, you know, I don't see them keeling over dead or anything. They seem to be, still be doing pretty good, but I definitely try to. And then lamb would even be more safe, quote unquote, because it's a younger animal, you know, and it's had less time for anything to go wrong with it. Oh, dude, um, that's a good, that's an interesting point. If you're going to eat raw meat or organs, giving it like eating earlier is better because there's less chance of exposure to a fucking toxic stream somewhere. Exactly. Um, if I ever, I've basically had most of the organs at this point. Um, <laughs> I like how you're thinking. They're like, I've basically it's, it's had brain. most of the organs. Um, I haven't gotten fresh blood. I haven't had blood yet because it's, you know, you got to be there um, to get it's kind of hard to get. And then brain is another one I haven't had. And I'm just a little sketched out because of all the things you can get from eating, supposedly get from eating raw meat, um, the prion disease, like mad cow or whatever is, yeah. is one of the, you know, one of the ones to me that I still don't have, like, I mean, not, you know, you're only going to find it in like, supposedly in like, cows that have been fed like really terrible diets of like other ground up cows or something like that, like cannibal cow diets or something. Okay. Um, supposedly that's most, you know, but so if I did that, I would definitely stick to like a beetle brain or something. And there's an Amish farm actually that I met. I think I'm going to have to, I got a primal guy in town. I just met, I think we're going to like go in together on a veal brain and make some content. <laughs> in together on a veal brain and do you yeah. eat that like raw so with... yeah, so prion disease isn't that's the thing about the prions it's not affected by cooking which is crazy huh can't cook out the prions they're unaffected by that yeah actually dude matter of fact there was a um i was listening to joe rogan's podcast during my power nap today and he had on a psychedelic a dude richard rick strassman the clinical associate professor of psychiatry at the university of new mexico and they were talking about tripping and psychedelics and how fuck man what was the connection to brain but it's amazing that you're bringing up the prion thing and it was brought up there about this way to eating things and consuming things to get you an elevated mind but then watching out for the sickness that can come along with it and the toxins because when you're whatever it's ayahuasca mushrooms, you know, you can have some good mushrooms and have a good trip and then you could eat some poisonous mushrooms and die. 
Absolutely. And they're like, it's kind it's very interesting. I hadn't thought about that with organs and the actual like, wow, brain could severely fuck me up. What would happen I mean, if you got mad? That's mad a new cow? thing. I don't. Sorry. I'm just curious. What would actually happen to you if you got like mad cow disease or those prions? Um, it, I think you go crazy. <laughs> I think it's like the main. You, you get uh, what's the word? Um, like worse than senile. What's that word? Uh, anyway, yeah, you go. You go insane. Schizophrenic. I think you just go insane. You like going. I mean, there's other. I think it can lead to like death or whatever but i think you go crazy first just lose your ability yeah that's something i was I talking to one um i was talking to somebody a while ago and uh they said they had a grandparent who went out like that they were old they had eaten brains in europe cooked brains you know like a long time before that it took a long time to manifest and then they you know they were an elderly grandparent person and then it was not they said it was not a bad way to go they said they went <laughs> insane and then died pretty quickly and probably happier um better than a lot of lingering yeah dude um yeah i wonder what like if you had to define insane is it seeing shit that's not there is it having a lack of recent memory is it making up lies? Do you become a superhero? You know, I haven't like, looked into it that much. Most of what I've looked into it is like how common it is. Where do you, where does it show up? Like Paul Saladino researched it when he was um, in Africa with uh, the Hadza. And they were going to go on a monkey hunt. And uh, he knew he was going to eat the, the monkey brains. So he researched it first and said, okay, well, there's never been a documented case of prions in monkeys, so I'm going to do it. Is that true? Wow. See, that's interesting because if like evolutionary, if it's supposed to stop you from basically cannibalizing your own kind, right? I don't think that... I don't... I think it's a modern thing. I think it comes from like cows that have been injected with all the junk we put in them, antibiotics and whatnot. So they're sickly and then they're ground up. And I don't think it's just coming from cannibal cows. I okay. think it's a modern thing. So you don't think my, it's some sort of evolutionary trigger for your species to survive I, by not eating itself. I don't think it's that. Gotcha. I think it's something that just as a result of crazy factory farming processes where they make the animals sick and then grind up the sick animals and feed them to, if any, I mean, it is kind of nature fighting back, but it's not against cannibalism per se. It's against factory farming. <laughs> it's the silent protest. Okay. Yeah, I'm, it's something that I remember as a headline, but I have not looked into or read to, but it's just pretty funny that you're bringing that up. And then um, I remembered it from, uh, again, Rogan's podcast. I Because um, I would think like if you ate monkey's brains, that would be basic cannibalism, right? Evolutionarily speaking. If you're yeah, a primate and you're a biped. But he didn't, he's like a very, like I was saying, he's a very research back sciencey doctor guy. And um, he didn't seem to have any, you know, any, any real concerns about it. So I'm sure he was a little concerned. Yeah. Because there's always a first. <laughs> but the Hadza have been doing this for a while because their natural hunting grounds have been restricted and they used to hunt these giant animals. Um like the big African game animals, but they can't do that anymore. And then, so they have to 
hunt these smaller animals and these these monkeys are like a large part of their diet now. Have you gone out and hunted and killed? Like I know some hunters who when they kill a deer or whatever and they start cutting it up, you know, they take a bite of the heart as like, hey, if this is your first kill, I guess tradition kind of a thing. I haven't hunted recently. I was uh, Kenny. I, I want to get back into it for sure. Um, deer sketch me out a little bit. A lot of the even elk now and stuff, they're all getting CWD. I listened to a Joe Rogan episode about that like four or five years ago, chronic wasting disease. And it's just spread to all these deer and elk and even moose all over North America now. I'm not sure if it's on other continents or not, but it, same thing. It came out of not factory farming, but these confined hunting operations where they'll have like deer in Texas or other places behind fences. So it's like a way too many deer in an area. You know, it's like a wooded area, but there's a fence so they can't roam far and oh. they get, they get weird diseases because they're crammed too tightly together. And then they escape from that out into the wild. They think that's how CWD came about. And these look like zombie deer. If you ever Google a picture of a CWD deer, it just, it's got like, like you can see it's like rib, like, it's got holes in itself. It's crazy. It's like leprosy for deer or something. I don't know. Stop. Um, and looks awful. Oh my God, that does look awful. And so then I guess, oh dude, those patches look so fucking sad. Yeah, yeah but that look looks... Like walking Dead. Dude, it looks beyond walking. Well, what's scary is at first you can't tell a thing. They look totally normal, but they have it. And there's never been a confirmed case of CWD in a person. But like, we don't know what happens when you eat that meat of a deer that looks normal, but has test positive for CWD. We don't know the effects of that on a human, you know? So then some of the zombie traits that are coming up, five deadly white-tailed disease blogs. Um, so then it's not as... Yeah, some of them look decent enough. It, they just look um, malnourished. I think if I was going to start hunting, I would... Um, did you see any with the holes in, in, in themselves? or? It, did, it just looks super malnourished. Then there was a bunch of them that came up with warts. And apparently that's one of a different five diseases. Yeah, there's, there's a bunch of different crazy... So I think if I was going to hunt, I would hunt um, uh, wild boar. Because that's like an invasive species, so it's like feels it would be you know wouldn't feel like hunting like an endangered species or something. Not like deer is endangered either. It's just um, and I just have to make sure I go somewhere where there's no like farmland nearby because so many of the the pigs are grain. The wild pigs are grain fed. You know they just hang out in the cornfields all day and then they're not so healthy anymore. But um, yeah. why the big difference between grain and grass? Have you looked into that at all or thought about Absolutely. that? Yeah, so it's 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 the um it's the omega three ratio to omega three to omega six thing. It's that um not only like if we're talking about cows on a on a feedlot for the last three or four months of their life, however long it is, not only does it make them fat and sick and they have to get antibiotics possibly, but it changes their omega-3 to omega-6 ratio in their fat and it it's not as bad for our ruminants like cows it is, it is for chickens and pigs so that's why i don't eat um grain fed that's why i don't eat much chicken or beef and when i do it's you know the high definitely the highest quality i can find um because it's like eating seed oils when you eat Gotcha. Like even the best chicken I can find around here is still fed 
corn. It's not fed soy. It's organic corn. It's they're pastured, silva pastured. They're all you know all these fancy terms, um, <laughs> but it's still got corn in its feed, and so it's you know going to have some suboptimal um, type of fat in there. I going back to you being the hunter. I just. I'm waiting for the reel or whatever post of you just see this carcass and then out of nowhere you raise up from behind it with just fucking organs, like intestines dribbling out your mouth and just fucking coaxed in blood like someone evading the predator or someone from The Walking Dead trying to fit in with the zombies. I'll definitely coat my entire body in the blood and drink the blood and eat the organs raw and um, my dog will get the intestines. He loves green tripe is like a great thing to give to you. You can, they sell it at pet food stores, hmm. green tripe. It's just the intestines and it's green cause it's still got the grass in it. Oh, okay. Uh, they sell it ground up usually, you know, but, uh, um, I will definitely, so last Thanksgiving, um, I went to my sister's house and their hunter friend had just gifted them some venison and, um, and the deer testicles. So I got to have deer testicle last Thanksgiving and <laughs> no shit. Made a, I made a post about that. Yeah. And were you hoping for like better fertility with it or were you just doing it to be the guy that can say I've had deer testicles? Um, I mean, I'm just trying to get all the organs I can eat, you know? And, um, I think testicle is definitely like a healthy thing for people to be eating. There's dogs. So that's like one of the, one of the really good ones, um, up there with liver. I, I can't, man. It, for some, sorry. No, I'm just like trying to, I'm just picturing, um, like a fucking cream filled donut where as soon as you bite through, it's just nothing but semen squirting into like my that. mouth. Not like a quite exactly like that. It gusher. was, you got to get the tough outer layer of skin out, you know, and you get it. And then it's, it was, it was fatty. It wasn't, it wasn't really super weird or gross. It didn't really taste nearly as weird as I thought it was going to. Um, didn't really, it just, it's kind of that blank meat taste with a little, uh, just really fatty, creamy taste. Like it wasn't, it wasn't gross. Um, I think my mind just makes it gross, right? Like just, well, that's, I mean, definitely it's a test. I mean, it's, growing up with testes. It took, it, took, it took a good bit of like looking at it on the plate before I went for it. Um, <laughs> and then since then I found this guy He's huge. I'm just trying to get into TikTok. I like just started one. I've got no followers on there, but uh, this guy on there, uh, Polly Long, I mean, I'm sure he's on Instagram too, but, um, and he's trying to call himself the testicle king now because the <laughs> king is growing up. And, um, like every other video he posts is him just like with a huge cow. Cause like, a um, bull testicle is like way bigger than the deer testicles. I, and those are like really pretty small. These, these bull testicles are huge. And he's every other video he makes, he's like biting into one of those and making a big dramatic effect about it for more followers and everything. Like, um, <laughs> the testicle King, I feel like he can't be called the testicle King. There's gotta be. I don't know, something better. Like if Liver King's already taken, like what would be another court name that you could go with to be called? Like not Jester, but you need something with like 
Testicle jester. <laughs> <laughs> but then you're just like, uh, maybe if you have a bunch of fun with it, it would be fun. He basically is the testicle jester, Polly Long, yeah. <laughs> How big were deer testicles or nuts? I'm picturing like the size of eggs, basically. Uh, smaller. That may be as long as an egg, but skinnier, yeah. Really? Yeah. Huh. Not, not too huge. Uh, I saw this one post in my feed a while ago. This guy um, shot a squirrel and his BB gun and butchered it just beautifully. And all the organs just laid out beautifully. Did a really good job butchering it. And uh, the testicles were freaking huge for this yeah. squirrel. Like, I can't describe exactly how big they were. It was a while ago and I saw it, but like, oh, they're just, just a random fact. Squirrels got giant nuts. Squirrels hung like that. I know there's some primates that, well, that was like one of the signs of primates, right? Like the deeper their balls dropped, it, if there was more competition, their testes would enlarge so that they would be more attractive to females. Yeah, so it makes like sense. If it was a ratio thing, the dudes with the bigger testes would then breed. I guess you'd pass that genes on. So I wonder if that squirrel was just around a bunch of other dudes. I'm trying to picture a squirrel with as agile as they are. And dude, the when they climb trees, dude, oh my God, think about that. You're climbing a tree, rubbing your huge sack against bark as you go. You're basically sanding your nut sack. It might be like internal or something because I've never seen them dangling and these would have been big enough to dangle. Maybe they're internal. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> I feel like they would still be sensitive to the pressure of tree bark. Yeah. I never thought about that before. I'm so glad I thought about squirrel testes right now, but like, what a dis, what a like survival disadvantage, if as a squirrel and you're elusive and you're just trying to climb and you have these testes that you don't want to like clip on a branch. You know what I'm saying? Like you're running and you miss a twig somewhere and boom. Yeah, totally. It seems like a almost a hindrance if you're going around in a tree. I see your I see your point. <laughs> Oh, have you looked into native? Because now I'm thinking of Native American culture. And I'm wondering about the prevalence of eating raw meat in Native American cultures. Have you ever looked into that as another? Well, community? I know like the Inuit. Um, they, oh yeah, I was going to mention them too, for sure. If I didn't already, they, uh, you know, they're one of the cultures along with like the Maasai that have, um, you know, there's, you know, points in the past, at least eaten a mostly carnivore diet. Um, and the Eskimo, the Inuit, whatever they, uh, yeah, they absolutely would eat, you know, nothing but caribou and seal raw all year long. And they would do stuff like I do with the high meat where they take, okay, so get this, they take, uh, they take like a seagull and put it in a seal skin and put that in the ground for like six months and then the whole thing feathers and all and then and then dig it up like six months or a year later or whatever and uh it's like a delicacy stop no the guy the, the guy who went and hung out with them and ate this said like it was just the most you know it didn't smell good or it didn't smell sort of interesting like the high liver it smelled like absolutely the most foul thing you could imagine but they love it most foul <laughs> um yeah bacteria is not not necessarily the enemy yeah the decompose because all well i guess the seal so if you put it in the seal skin you're enclosing it right now would do they sew it do you think or do you know i don't know for sure 
maybe it was allowed to off gas a little, you know, I imagine there was some off gassing, but for the most part, like it wasn't totally breaking down or anything. Um, Were the feathers still there or did the feathers leave leave the feathers on? Yeah. But I'm thinking like six months to a year later, do the feathers for some reason, like, like I I think of dead people's hair somewhat. Yeah. They'd probably get moist and start to decompose a little. Right. And then they just, they didn't cook it afterwards. They would eat it raw. No, there's some cool pictures um, I've seen of just like even modern day Inuit families in their in their kitchens, you know, all crouched down like, you know, native people still know how to do the crouching thing. That's why I do that on my page now. And um, it's with an animal carcass just totally or maybe they're out in the front yard or whatever and it's all snowy. Um, and it's just totally laid open and the kids are dipping their cups in the blood and drinking the blood and they're all just chowing down on the raw meat. Um, yeah. It's when you, when you try to normalize it and you start getting all these different data points, this is how my mind works. I'm like, why am I still so shocked? If I see some, if I see a creature that's very similar to me, a human (laughs) doing something, I should be less shocked by it. Right. And despite this, like the litany of examples, I, I can't rationalize it. I've just been so normed, so programmed. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I totally understand. It's, it's, I, I like wrapping my head around new things. It, it can take a while, but it's it's a it's an enjoyable process to just hear totally new information and then try to grok it. You know? Yeah. Well, dude, if it winds up getting people like you, getting people to look like you, and the functionality you've spoken about getting back. I mean, if any other reason, you would just do it to try to be some fucking Instagram model, right? Or try to be some like social influencer that could get really good pics. But on top of it, the actual health benefits that seem to come along with this, especially for someone who's going through, I still can't say that disease name. Like, Ankylosis I, yeah. Yeah, I it really is. But like that's the, inflam- the inflammation that it seems to fight. Um, and help you with is another really interesting thing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't really have like this story where you ate something and all of a sudden you were on the shitter for like days and weeks, or you're just immediately vomiting. Like there, do you have no. a worst body has rejected something that you've eaten story? That is all normal type food. I've never had any problems with the raw food. That's insane. Um, you know, when I eat brisket or whatever, I'll get slightly nauseous. That may have gotten a little worse since I started eating a lot of raw, but I remember that would always happen to some degree. Just after, like, that's that rendered fat. You have that rendered fat. Or, like, I remember it used to happen before I was eating raw at all, I would make um, bone broth and uh, when I was first getting into that. And... When I was first doing it, I wouldn't let it cool and then skim the fat off the top. I would just eat it hot with the fat still mixed in to the gelatinous gelatinous, gelatinous broth. And um, that would give me a terrible nauseous stomach ache and uh, just that rendered fat. So that's cooked fat causing problems right there. Um, It's like pretty well known Um, in mainstream health circles it can do that. So that's the craziest part 
that I'm uh, when you kept mentioning fat, I'm like, yeah, but you were talking about how deer testicles are fatty. And I'm like, how does that not mess with you if bone broth fat messes with you? Not at all. I've never had a stomachache from raw meat. No, I've never had. It's just something that happens with the cooking, you're saying, that makes that turns fat from a positive to a negative. When people first, if they go carnivore with cooked meat, you know, um, they'll get, you know, up to a week of like loose stools. Um, I maybe had like two days of that when I first went, tried that carnivore experiment and then things went to normal. Um, but yeah, I've never had anything weird from raw meat, which is, or fermented meat or anything. Um, Yeah, I don't know what to make of it. <laughs> Do you think you're just a freak? No. It I can't just be you, right? There's a lot of uh, you types out normal. there. I follow my whole community on Instagram. It's a bunch of these people. Yeah. And um seems pretty universal as far as as far as that goes. That's actually something I don't think we spoke about was the the getting through the transition. So the um Dad by God, who was on Men's Health that I was talking, telling you about a little bit, where he gave up all these carbs, just quit a ton of his over-carb diet. He was like, basically, it was seven to 10 days before he lost those cravings and those urges and the effects of what carbs used to give him. And then his body just recalibrated and he felt better. Like the energy went up, but he had to go through that period, like a withdrawal period. So aside from like loose stool for a couple days, were there other withdraw things that you've experienced or dealt with going carnivore and then going raw? <laughs> going raw. Um, that sounds so weird. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, the, the cravings, they, they get less, but it's still like a mindset thing. Like I still definitely, you know, if I smell French fries or cake or something, I'm like, yeah, I want some of that, you know? Um, <laughs> But it's just a mindset thing to be like, I know that that's going to cause me problems. I can't do that. You know, if my goal was weight loss, that's what would be my mind. If I know, you know, that I, you know, if I want to have my goal of weight loss, I can't have that. But since my goal is anti-inflammation, I just think it's really easy because it goes, that's literally going to cause me pain. That's going to hurt me. Yeah. So it's just pretty easy thing to not, not partake. Um, but no, the cravings for me never go away. It sucks. <laughs> Some people do report that. Maybe they're just sort of Liars. You know, doing mind over matter thing and trying to trying to trick themselves psychologically, or maybe they really do go away for some people. I imagine they do. Yeah. Man, I I don't know. I couldn't imagine is how much like do you know the last time you had sugar? Uh so I'm having like honey these days. Okay. Not to have too much. It can definitely cause me problems on but yeah, these days I'm having fruit and honey, so. Okay. Yeah, I, cause like that's the sweet thing. I just can't imagine ever, I don't know, it'd be like salt, not having salt. Like I would always just want that. I don't think that would ever go away once you've had it. It'd be like losing sight and then just wanting to see the sun again. You know? Yeah, it's fun to deprive yourself of things that you think are necessary and find out they're not. I mean, that's going keto, yeah. Uh, the you know, you know that's why I don't approve of all those fake keto bakery good baked goods yeah. you can make or buy because they all they trick yourself with the fake sweeteners. It's best to not have any fake sweeteners and just not have a sweet taste. And then you because then your your brain 
it does get easier after about a week. I mean, I always craved it, but it does get easier and stop craving it as much for sure. Right. Dude, the cultural point is a really interesting point that it's not just exclusive or not like the raw meat eating is not some sort of fad. Um, and I really wonder, do you have a kind of a weird conspiracy theory or a reason why cooking became the norm? Um, I mean, it's delicious. It tastes better for one thing. Um, <laughs> and again, I don't want to demonize a lot of people. If you would pick somebody else in this circle, they may have been trying to demonize cooking more than I want to. Gotcha. I mean, I do think it's, you know, it does create cooking creates carcinogens. I mean, it does cause some problems if you want to look at it like that, but I don't want to demonize that because I don't want to make it seem like I'm recommending only either raw meat or no meat. I think that in general, just having meat in your diet is going to be helpful for, you know, people, um, most people, there is some bio individuality and I guess there are some healthy vegans who are actually really thriving, but most vegans seem to just crash after three or four years and start craving animal foods. And that's why all these fake, they try to make all these fake meat things and everything to recreate it. But, um, that was my favorite South Park episode where Cartman's girlfriend converted him to veganism. And like, he just started labeling everything as uh, like vegan chicken, you know, like it's a better burger. He was like just eating everything. And then she wound up converting back because she kept, um, I don't know. It was just in her. That's a, that's definitely a trope. Definitely. Oh, so Jeb, anything else? I guess I started with that, but like anything else that we hadn't gotten into? Um, I think about sunlight. I think I forgot to mention that, um, just has other benefits I didn't talk about. Like it literally reprograms our mitochondria and makes our mitochondria happy, which I think is pretty important. And mitochondria... Um, are they the, what do they do? Or why do they cells. They do a whole lot of different things. And I'm not like a super science guy and all this stuff. I just sort of know what's good. And I know mitochondria is super important. It's just one of those things you want to have happy mitochondria. <laughs> and the sunlight is super, super good for that. Super important. Um, so I wanted to mention that. And then um, I think I kind of downplayed just how much hiking I do, how much barefoot hiking I do every day. It's talking about like how Instagram doesn't need to be toxic and how it can be helpful. And even if it wasn't free, I still do like a minimum of two to five miles a day barefoot or longer some days. Um, just hiking on the trails near my house with the dog. Um, it seems like such a great life for your dog. The fact that it just gets to roam free along with you, or does the hiking have to be leashed when you get more on the trails? He's super spoiled. I mean, technically he's supposed, you know, technically he's supposed to be on leash, but it's, you know, almost all the dogs on these trails are off leash. So it's cool. That's awesome. And I've never had any problems with like other dogs. I mean, sometimes he'll, you know, growl or whatever, but that's about as much as that goes. Um, so he's super spoiled and I need to move some point and he's going to be sad when we do, unless we find another spot near, near some awesome trails. Yeah. Right. But yeah. That's a really 
great benefit of living here the whole time I've had him. Yeah. The, the barefoot hiking, um, why uh, I know the connecting and I know the, I think it was negative ions, like grounding yeah. aspect. Is there something else to it or is it just, that's why it's that important to you? Um, it, well, it's, there's more to it. It's foot strength. It's just overall, um, stability. It's going to, you're going to have much less chance of twisting your ankle, stuff like that. Ankle stability, foot stability, um, the negative ions and the, the grounding earthing effect. That's, that's, that's a big part of it. Um, and it just, it just feels like just, Feels pretty, it's a pretty, pretty big part of my life because I just do it every day. So it's definitely um, just seems like a really just good thing to do for people. <laughs> um, and like, you know, I just definitely recommend for most people, if you never if you just go outside and stand barefoot in your yard, do that, you know, and just don't wear shoes in your yard yeah. and start there. You know, I don't necessarily advocate for going around the city barefoot. There's all sorts of yeah. oil spills and toxins but uh Fucking heroin needles and used sure. condoms and hopefully your yard doesn't have glyphosate weed killer sprayed in it you know um yeah dude that's something that i can often forget about our city people how little they actually get fresh air breeze <laughs> like or they get to feel dirt or grass it's kind of sad when I think about it, man. It makes me wonder, like, aside from the density, is that part of why they're so aggressive and unhappy? Yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty big. You never, they never get to discharge those negative ions again. I think that's more important than people give it credit for. You never get to discharge the like crappy ions and exchange them out for the the good ones. And if it's, I mean, that I think that's a big part of why standing barefoot outside just feels so good uh, is your it's like that ion exchange going on i almost um so i just changed my instagram name to uh um primal health guy and uh i was i was thinking of changing it to barefoot biohacker <laughs> I but, he, but i didn't so if anybody wants an instagram name that one that one's free but uh <laughs> but you got but you got to live the life you just can't get the handle no, you got it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, um, primal health guy seemed like it summed up my self pretty good and it doesn't box me into a corner. I was going to try to work the word raw into there, but, um, just primal health guy seemed, seemed pretty good. It was available on all the platforms. So I'm surprised. To be honest with you, because that's it, it is very basic, direct, and kind of all encompassing of someone who wants to go back to this primitive way of thinking or emphasizing health. Yeah, there were some similar ones I tried that, that that were taken on one platform or another, and then I was like, "Well, the guy in the end is like a little silly." And then I was like, "Oh wait, knees over toes guy. Like that's totally legit. I can have guy on the end of my name, primal health guy, knees over toes guy." Yeah. Right. Yeah, I don't think it. I don't think it lessens your um, credibility. I didn't think that at all. And maybe I didn't think that because of knees over toe guy. I think, I think he's mainstreamed the, the guy on the end. So the guy part. <laughs> that's a good point. Well, it's better than, um, so I had a Toby Hardened on who's an author and he's a legit author. He's written several books. He's a fucking journalist. And 
his Instagram is like Toby Hardened one because there's some chick that got Toby Hardened. <laughs> and I'm like, that's gotta suck for an author where it's all about name recognition. And then the best you can do is put a one at the end of it. And to me, guy is way better than some like number or some area code, some zip code, you know? I, I agree. Yeah, I guess it boxes you into a gender, but hopefully you're comfortable with that for the rest of your life. Uh, oh, yeah, hopefully. I mean, I actually have been thinking about becoming a Z or a Zer, but. Uh... <laughs> Probably because you're going to got mad cow, man. Maybe that's why yeah. you, oh. you got mad cow. You don't know it yet. And your mind's yeah. taking you places. <laughs> no comment. Good job oh. being silent. <laughs> it's mad cow. It's got me speechless. <laughs> yeah. Dude. Jeb, thank oh, this was the last I got. Are your feet terrible? Do you have really ugly, hideous feet from all the barefoot hiking? No, I was actually gonna do a post on my feet. Um I'm sure there's some feet freaks out there who will love that, but uh <laughs> no. Uh I would say they're not ugly or hideous at all. There's definitely like I haven't really been taking care of them at all this summer. It's probably been like a year since I've done any sort of scrubbing on them. And I was just looking at them and there's like a little bit of cracks around a few spots, you know, but nothing crazy at all. Like I wouldn't look at them and guess that they're as tough as they are if I uh, didn't know how tough they were. Just saw filter free in a filter free photo. Um, you'd feel like, hey, that guy wears shoes. Oh, I don't know if I think he's wear shoes. No, like, they definitely look. I think I can tell I don't always wear shoes for sure. Uh, they don't. They don't look totally like your average. I just watched some video randomly algorithm showed it to me some spa procedure where the person had some like floss and they had this person's foot and they were like scraping the floss in their foot. It looked normal. And then this whole layer of skin just came off. I was like, that wouldn't happen to me. Off the bottom of their foot. Yeah. I guess it's like a common procedure and that would happen to most people who have their, their feet always in shoes. Um, Which makes sense because you never have real like friction to rub yeah. off and you probably got a bunch of moisture or perspiration or fucking lotion that's like just but, building up. But when you looked at their foot before they put the floss to it, it didn't look like it was just going to have a layer of skin fall off. It looked like a normal soft foot. Right. But they just scraped it and this whole, oh, it was disgusting. <laughs> that is, yeah. Yeah, God. All right. But, um, yeah, man, it's been good talking to you. Yeah, no, dude, thank you so much. And um, so... Instagram and all your links will be in the pod's description. And um, I am, I don't know if I'm ever going to get there, but the first time I do actually try a bit of raw meat, um, I'm definitely going to send you a video of it just to do it. Just think about it. Like when you, so start like this, this is how you should start. Just get a ribeye because that's the best, in my opinion, the most delicious meat you can possibly get is a ribeye and just, Get your pan hot, sear it on both sides for not long, but nice and hot pan. And, uh, you know, if you do it like four minutes on each side, it's going to be cooked all the way through. So do it like two minutes on each side or something. Yeah. And it'll still a little, it might, it might even just be a little warm still in the middle, but just try to try to get it to where it's not even a little warm in the middle. And then that's, you know, that's a totally normal thing. You can, you can get that at a restaurant. Like yeah, a I, I feel like that's called a Pittsburgh fry. Uh, I've heard that. I've heard blue, like, and like it's 
one step below rare is blue. Okay. <laughs> blue in the middle, suppose it. It's like not really, but I don't know why it's called blue. Maybe it's kind of blue. It's kind of looks red to me, but right. Uh, yeah, it's like a blue steak you can order, which is just kind of cold in the middle still. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's a cheat though. Am I wrong to feel like that's a cheat? It's not a bad place to start though, if that's where you're starting. I mean, and then so then next time, just take a little bite of it before you cook it. Or, um, <laughs> but there's a uh, no. There's people who you know eat their organs raw on, on Instagram and then cook their meat like that. They just leave it basically rare in the middle and sear the outside just because it tastes better. Gotcha. Dude, I don't, I'm just picturing back to that chicken breast and I'm like, I don't know how I could just take a bite out of it. I swear raw chicken is even better to eat than like tastier than raw beef. And you can make a mukbang, you take chicken, cut it up into little chunks, put like avocado and pineapple and it's not a mukbang anymore. I don't know what that is. I made a post about that with beef and avocado and pineapple and that was really delicious. It was a really good meal. So weird. I love the weirdness. I love the uniqueness. I love just the I don't drizzle know. a little honey on it, you know? Mmm. Making me hungry. <laughs> All right, man. Well, dude, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for uh, letting people get to know you and enjoy the rest of your night, man. I appreciate all the knowledge. Absolutely. Thanks for reaching out. It's been good talking to you. Yep. See you around. Thanks to Andre Psyche for supporting the Getting to Know You pod. Search up Andre Psyche on social media. Give him a follow just for the fuck of it. Dear listeners, if you've enjoyed getting to know today's guest or just want to support this upstart podcast, go to our Patreon. For as little as $2 a month, your donation will help with all the costs associated with producing the Getting to Know You pod. Don't forget the three free ways to support the pod. One, subscribe to the Getting to Know You pod. Two, friend and follow the Getting to Know You pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Three, go to Apple, write a review. And finally... If you or someone you know would like to become a sponsor of or advertise on the Getting to Know You pod, we would love to partner with you. We have a wide-ranging global audience that would like to get to know more about your brand or business. If you're interested, just message us. See you.